Resurrections? Resurrections. Fuck yes, I did. <laughs> and it's really fucking good. I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard several people tell me that it's an absolute mind fuck. Yes, it gets it gets very meta. For like the first like forty five minutes of the movie, it gets very meta very fucking quickly. Um, just because of what they're doing with Neo and Trinity and all that. But after that, and the madness isn't like bad or anything. It's just like, okay, what are we doing here? It's just, uh, it can be a bit confusing, but it's also, it's almost like this snake eating its tail type aspect. Um, Aurora Boros, is that what that's called? Yeah, something like that. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really insanely good, especially being that they, this trilogy tends to leave a bad taste in your mouth whenever you uh, think about it. Especially with some of the stuff that they do, especially in uh, Revelations. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a nice starting off point. I really like, I fucking love what they do with Trinity in the movie. How much do you know about the movie? Not much. Matt, uh, my older brother, went and saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. And he was like, did you watch the new Matrix yet? And I was like, no, not yet. We're covering it on the podcast in a few weeks. And I want to kind of like have that be my first mm-hmm. experience. He's like, well... Like, do yourself a favor if you're going to talk about it and try to deconstruct it. Watch it more than once. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, was, there, there's a lot going on in the movie. I was like, okay. And then somebody at work said that it's like a complete and total mind fuck. And he was like, he was like, it's just, it's just crazy. There's matrixes inside of matrixes and yeah, matrixes yeah. inside of those matrixes. Yeah. And I was like, so it's Inception. Kind of. It's very much similar to that to where, not to give too much away... But Neo is a programmer. I'm not going to say what type, because then you'll know what he's doing within the Matrix. He's a programmer of sorts, and because of that, he's building his own Matrix? Like I said, it gets very meta for a good while, and what they do with a lot of the characters, especially with the older characters, like, I don't know if you know... This isn't really a spoiler, but Jada Pinkett Smith is in it. What happens with the character, I'm not going to say, but she's in it, and... Um, she's fantastic in it. We have, uh, what's her name? The chick from Iron Fist. Um. Oh, like his sidekick? Yeah, yeah, I can't, um, Jennifer something, that actress. Yeah. I can't remember her name, but she's in it. She plays a very titular, uh, role in this movie. She plays a captain on one of the ships. And it's a movie where it's like things progress past where we were at the end of the third Matrix, but things, there are a lot of things that stayed the same. Okay. That's the best I could do without revealing okay. too much. So, things have changed, but things have also stayed the same with a lot of it. And I, what they do with the machines, I really found that interesting. Because, yeah, it would make sense with some of what they do with some of the machines. And being that we have characters like the Oracle within the Matrix that want to help humans. You also have... Machines on the outside that want to help humans. Yes, I was... I realized once I finished that sentence, I was like, shit, I kind of revealed something. But yes, you have machines outside the Matrix trying to help humanity as well. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I plan on watching it a few more times because yeah, there's a lot going on. I really hope that they continue. Like I know the movie did pretty decently, just not as well as I thought they would. Right. But being that it was also introduced on HBO Max as well as in theaters, I'm assuming everything that had to be those, streamed on those HBO Max get fucking skewed anyway. Like the the streaming numbers are probably pretty high, but they don't go towards the box office gross because right. it wasn't at the box office. Right. There's and I'm so the assuming matter, but they also don't. And I'm assuming everything that was 
released on HBO Max along with in theaters is just automatically going to get a sequel so that way they have a chance in theaters and all that shit. Right. So I'm assuming we're getting a sequel. Nothing's been announced, but I'm assuming... And it's not like anything that they've released on HBO Max has been bad, really. Um, From a critical standpoint, no. But uh, they released, say, about a month ago, West Side Story, and it did not do nearly as well as they were hoping. Like, this Matrix movie, they, it did pretty decently. Obviously not what they were also hoping, but it did pretty right. well. West Side Story apparently did not, didn't even Tanks. come close to what they were expecting. But it's also a musical, so and there aren't a lot of huge musical fans. So, the, Well, and it's a musical that has already existed for, for a long 60 time. 60 years, yeah. So... It's not like it's Hamilton. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, also, uh, other things that have been released this week, Ryan. Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Fucking fantastic. Have you watched it yet? No. What do you do with your time? Work. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's so... It's really fucking good. Um, I, I delayed on watching it a few times because I was wrestling back and forth of whether or not I should watch just the one episode or wait until a few episodes are banked and i was things were starting to slowly uh be trickled into my feed on different like on twitter and instagram that were starting to reveal things and you're like no i don't want spoilers (laughs) right so i watched it and it's really fucking good um have you watched parks and rec yes so you know that uh uh the filibuster that Patton oswald's character does at one point during the series yeah, I don't remember what he... He's talking about the Star Wars universe and the uh, Marvel universe meeting because oh, yeah. of the Infinity yeah. Gauntlet. And he starts. I believe he starts off with the Star Wars universe and how Boba Fett is reintroduced to the um, Star Wars franchise. And it's pretty much word for word what he says in that speech. It's insane. He walks out of the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> no, because I watched the comparison. It's uh, here we are. We cut to on Tatooine. We just see the twin suns. It pans down. We see the rem- uh, remains of Jabba the Hutt's sail barge. And we see the Sarlacc pit right in front of it. And then out of a few seconds pass. And this is what he says in the episode of Parks and Rec. A few seconds pass. And then a hand bursts through the sand. This is the hand of the once- Great bounty hunter, Boba Fett. And that's what fucking happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane how well it... I, I don't know. I'm assuming, because Dave Filoni is the showrunner on that. I'm assuming that they were very fucking cognizant of that speech. and so they. Oh, I'm to, sure. I'm sure that... Because anytime Star Wars was ever mentioned in anything, like Lucasfilm or even George Lucas themselves, even bad or good, they really enjoyed just people talking about their shit. So, oh yeah, I mean, my guess is that they were they wanted to recreate that just to basically be like, yeah, you already heard about this. Plus, whatever, and I, we're, there's some backlash happening into the book of Boba Fett. So Boba Fett, this version of Boba Fett is more of a, and we hear in the trailers he wants to rule by respect. He doesn't want to do it through fear, like Jabba did. So he's a more, I wouldn't say a caring person, but more of a malleable person. Like okay. he's able to like go with whatever's going on and try to figure a way out of it before he actually kills anybody. He doesn't want to kill people right away. He wants to try to get information from them, and maybe those people can be useful to him later on. Like at one point, Gamorrean guards are brought in front of him, basically saying like these people were on the sale or these characters were uh, 
they were in Jabba's palace. They were willing to kill you at one point. So what do you want to do with them? And in the show, Boba Fett's like, no, I could use these guys. They're fucking massive characters. They're Gamorrean guards, so I can use these guys. And Boba's like, do you pledge your loyalty to me? And they both get down on their knees, say as much. And he's more along the lines, like a lot of people, the blowback is, is that a lot of people were expecting Boba Fett to be like this absolute hard ass like you yeah. crossed me once yeah and he's more like a chaotic good character where he's always trying to look for like the best in people but he knows d- deep down that they're just gonna do something fucking stupid so i don't know i'm very fucking excited about everything that they're doing right now uh because we get mandalorian i know there's another show that's coming out soon oh obi-wan obi-wan's gonna be coming out soon and they already announced like several like uh, Star Wars like acolytes, which is supposed to be like a Sith type show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lando is supposed to get his own show. This is going to be Donald Glover playing. Yeah, Lando. yeah, he, he's playing uh, uh, Lando, and we're supposed to also get Billy D. Williams in it in some capacity. So I think once I, believe, I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> well, if they treat it like the, um, I think it was like the Indiana Jones series where you had Harrison Ford like, let me tell you a story. Oh, yeah. And then you just go into, and you see young Lando instead of, so it's just old Lando bookends the entire series. Right. And then you just get the majority of uh, young Lando. Yeah. I can get behind that. Oh, have you watched Don't Look Up? No. It is insanely good. Like, it's. I watched the, like, trailer Uh for it. Yeah. Because, um, (laughs) in New World, the game that I play, um, there's a bunch of people in chat talking. They're like, oh, my God, don't look up. Don't look up. So good. So yeah. good. So good. And that's all I saw about it. And I was like, huh. And then um, we were hanging out with the friends or with the D&D group. And they were like, oh, we just watched this really fucking crazy ass movie on Netflix called Don't Look Up. And I'm like, I've got to look at this. Like, there's a lot of people talking about it. it it's very much of what's going on right now. Like, right now, with the political sphere that it is, um, from a... Fuck it. It's an allegory for climate change. And what they do, and how they pinpoint, or show just how short people's attention spans are. Even though, yeah... So, how much of the movie do you know? Do you know the premise that there's... Yes, there's like an asteroid headed towards Earth that's cataclysmic. Yes, exactly that. So, the allegory is that we are on the brink of destruction. Us, in real life, are on the brink of destruction because of climate change. And we've seen that over the past few months with the tornadoes that ripped through Kentucky and all those states, destroying that one town. Not a very uh, tornado-heavy city or even state. Yeah. And it ripped through them. We're going to keep getting instances like that where uh, storms and climate is just going to get more and more severe. But nobody wants to do anything about it. We're all looking at the next shiny object, if you will. That's what this movie's commenting on. A lot of that, like, all... We talk about it for, like, maybe five seconds, but then we move on to... The next thing. The next thing. Either Kim and Kanye fucking divorcing, or someone else fucking dying, fuck or shit like that, so... Oh, speaking of dying. Yeah, I know. I, I, when I said that, I was like, oh, shit, no. Um, so, yeah, we should probably talk about that real quick. Yeah, um... Hours before the end of the new year. Um, before the end of the old year. An end of, yeah, sorry. End of the old year, 2021. By the way, Happy New Year, everyone. Yes. Happy New Year 
from us at Nerdinian to you and your folks. I hope this year's a good year for you. Um, we're at a fucking all-time low, so the bar is really fucking <laughs> yeah, low for 2022. It's not really hard to clear. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the end of 2021, uh, Betty White has passed away. Uh, I don't years old. I don't think we have a, a cause of death yet. Well, we know she passed away in her home, but why is um, up in the air yeah. and like three days before she passed she's like i'm so she excited had, for she had turning an interview on she yeah and she was like you know i'm i'm in really good spirits you know it's it's great to be this this old and healthy like yeah and you see her in an interview so she didn't she look sick she didn't look she didn't hey she didn't look sick she didn't so, look like uh, like she was nearing the end of her life she arguably arguably she probably passed away peacefully in her sleep which one can hope yeah, which is basically all you can really hope for. Like, that's the best case scenario. Yeah. Did you just so, pass away in your sleep? Because, yeah, the body at that point is just going to flood your your own body. Your brain is going to flood your own body with just endorphins and just good feeling shit. So, hopefully the body's like, you know what? We've had a good run. Granted, her birthday's literally in three weeks to yeah, hit 100. 17 days. Yeah. Uh, it's just insane how, how timing and everything fucking works. But it's really sad. I... Obviously, I've known about Betty White for years, but what I really love Betty White in is like Placid. Yeah, that first movie that she's in—it's so fucking good. I was so to kind of like preface this with like how I found out was I was uh, playing New World and I was in the middle of fighting like a giant group of enemies by myself, nobody else. So like I'm dodging around and stuff, and I like Neo in this movie. Yeah. and chats scrolling up, and I see R.I.P. Betty White. And I'm like, what? And immediately alt-tab out of the game. Still being attacked by shit. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I have to see if this is true or not. Right. Type in Google, you know, Betty White, and it's immediately flooded with, like, articles from 15 minutes ago that yeah. say Betty White has passed away and stuff. And I'm like, motherfucker, like, that... Yeah. Um, heartbrokenly sad no. and i immediately log back into the game i'm dead because <laughs> this mob killed me figuratively and literally and i'm like point. i'm like god damn it and so i like respawn and immediately open chat and i'm like I'm like you know one of the greats and then i quoted um if i had a dick this, this is where i tell you to suck it <laughs> It is so. I got I got like so many messages afterwards, like, oh my god, like Placid's so good, I have to go watch that now. <laughs> and so I threw it up on my other monitor as I was mm. playing because yeah, yeah. I, had to. I haven't watched Golden Girls in its entirety. I've seen episodes or scenes here and there. Mm-hmm. I'm really thinking about like I know I'm not the dev- demographic for it, but from what I've heard, it's really good writing. Like the character, obviously the characters are really good because it lasted for a few years. Hell, I think like nine or ten, yeah, something like was, that. It was quite a while. A while. So I'm, I've been thinking about just like binge watching Golden Girls because they're all gone at this point. Like every yeah. Estelle Getty, um, uh, B. Arthur, B. Arthur. Uh, Ruth McCallahan, they're all, and now Betty White, they're all gone. One story, I don't know if it's true or not. I hope it is. But one story I heard um, that Ruth McCallahan was on her deathbed and she was like hours away from passing, and Betty White sent her over flowers with a note on it that simply said. Why don't you die already, bitch? I want to be the last girl, golden girl alive. And I'm like, I hope that's true. But I also kind of hope it's not true. <laughs> I can I can 100% say that that is definitely in the wheelhouse yeah. of Betty White. Yeah. I'm not sure that she would say that. Like, 
that could be the kind of friendship that they have. Yeah, we don't like, know their friendship, so it could have been I easily mean, them. I mean, you're on your deathbed. You're definitely <laughs> getting flowers from me that says there can only be one. <laughs> and if I'm on my deathbed before you, I fully expect to get that same fucking card. Uh, it'll probably be a quote from like Lord of the Rings or something. <laughs> About life and death. That'll <laughs> just be, I can't, I can't carry it, but I can carry you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It'll probably be that quote. <laughs> the, uh, but yes, um, a fond farewell to Betty White. It sucks that she was like, fucking, like I said, a few weeks away um, from turning 100. Well, but she lived through... Like twenty four leap years, yeah. I guess you, yeah. So, I say we just tack those days on. She was a hundred, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it stands the reason. Yeah, she was a hundred because of leap years and everything. That extra day, and I'm really sad that it happened because, like, she was great. Like, not only as an actress, mm-hmm. but as like a person. Like, her show got canceled because she gave more airtime to a black man who was tap dancing. Like, her, the Betty White variety hour. I didn't know that. that. I didn't even know she had her own show. She had her own show, like, back in the, like, late 60s, early 70s, I think. Uh And she... Like was like this guy's this guy's great mm-hmm. at what he does, and everybody because it was still like the era of segregation and Jim Crow and stuff. Everybody they're lost like, their shit. Yeah, they're like, no. First off, you're a woman yeah. who has her own show. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Second off, you're gonna let a black man do something on it? You're gonna get canceled. She's like, maybe I will, <laughs> but I'm gonna do it anyway. Yeah. And then she did it, and it got canceled shortly after that. But. And then, like, her stance before it was popular or okay about, like, gay marriage and mm, stuff like mm-hmm. that. And she's like, what the fuck do you people care? Like, let them live their lives and you live yours. Like, yeah. stop trying to care what other people do with their lives. Like, I want to say, like, way back in the 90s. Yeah, yeah she she's been saying, a huge proponent uh, things like for, that like, the LGBTQ. So, she was, she was a great person on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. And she will be she will be missed by the world. But I am glad that it happened yesterday, and not day one of. <laughs> because if it was day one of 2022, I would have been like, "Well, that's it. You're <laughs> fucked. It's done." Right. <laughs> Nothing good's coming this year because that was Miranda's first reaction. Like mm. uh, a little bit after, uh, she she had laid down to take a nap, and. She woke up and saw the news, and I was downstairs getting stuff ready for uh, the New Year's Eve stuff that we were doing last mm-hmm. night. And she walks down, and she's like, fuck 2022. And I'm like, ah, ah, it's not 2022 yet. It's still 2021. All right. <laughs> so fuck, fuck 2021. That's fine. Yeah. But 2022 is moving forward. No. So we're moving forward from this. I love, like, before 2020, like, at New Year's Eve 2019, we're all, like, saying, hey, this was a horrible year. Cheers to 2020. But 
I would say every New Year's before 2019, with the few exceptions, of course, that nothing would pale in comparison to the way 2020 would work out and the way 2021 has worked out as well. Like, to the point where you're just like, yeah, fuck those years, and you really fucking mean it. Before, it was like a general statement, like, fuck this rest oh, of the year. fuck this year, I put on 20 pounds. Right, and, uh, right. It's just this a way happened, to vent off steam. These past two years, you're like, yes, fuck those years. Fuck everything about them. <laughs> Nothing has been right since we fucking killed Harambe. <laughs> like, somebody build a time machine already. Right. Like, that's when the world started going to shit, Greg. Yeah, yeah when, when Harambe we need, killed. <laughs> we need to build a time machine, save Harambe. Like, that's the catalyst. The, the mother of that child <laughs> needs angry notes written to her. Yeah. And like... <laughs> Fuck you, you destroyed everything. <laughs> the world is in flames and it's because a gorilla died. Do you think she's... With- and then and then people didn't learn their fucking lesson. I guess like two weeks ago, there was a janitor at a, at a zoo somewhere that was like, oh, I can pet this fucking tiger. Oh, and yeah. the tiger ripped off his arm yeah. and they killed the goddamn tiger for being a tiger. <laughs> right. <laughs> what the fuck? you think was gonna happen right oh i i watched that carol baskins it's fine it's just a big kid <laughs> that one girl she got mauled by a tiger she's doing all right you fucking <laughs> stupid ass fake ass motherfucking ass asses all right <laughs> quit fucking with animals they're already in captivity like they've already got it bad enough like fucking yeah. stop <laughs> No, it's my friend. No, it's not. No, it's uh, yeah, it's that whole idea with like the Tiger King or the Siegfried and Roy. I'm just like these mammals will ev- eventually turn on you. It may not look like that in the moment or for like so many years, but they will eventually attack you. Why? Because they are tigers and lions. That's what they fucking do. That's their nature. <laughs> so I read a joke the other day that kind of plays right into this because it was like uh, this young doctor was on Serengeti and or on safari in Africa mm. in the Serengeti and he saw a uh, an elephant that was by a tree with its uh with its front like hoof paw whatever you want to call it leg raised um and he went over to it very slowly and like put his hands up to show that he wasn't a threat uh, or yeah. anything noticed that there was some brush and bramble like piercing the elephant's skin he very slowly and carefully removed it, and the elephant responded by like very slowly putting its its hoof on the ground to like kind of test it, and then whenever it realized that it could put its full weight on it without having it hurt anymore, it looked at the man, trumpeted twice, and the guy's like, "This is it, I'm going to die," and it like kind of bowed, and off it ran. Mm-hmm. Um, years later, he was in at the Chicago zoo with his son at the elephant enclosure and an elephant walked up to the, to the side right by him, looked at him, raised its front paw several times and trumpeted. And he's like, no, could it be, could it be? And he climbed in to the elephant containment thinking that it was the same elephant and it grabbed him and fucking just wrecked him into a tree. (laughs) Probably wasn't the same elephant. <laughs> no, it probably wasn't. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's a real story, but it's hilarious. And then I've got another joke for you. Because intelligence jokes. Okay. <laughs> like 
horse walks into a bar. <laughs> the bartender looks at the horse and goes, you know, you're in here an awful lot. Do you think maybe you're an alcoholic? And the horse is like, no, I don't think so. And it disappeared into a puff of smoke. It's a, a, a perfect representation of Descartes' famous saying, I think, therefore I am. <laughs> I couldn't tell you that part before I told you about the horse disappearing from the bar, because that would be putting Descartes before the horse. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so stupid, but so smart at the same time. <laughs> right? <laughs> Christmas vacation. Um, real quick, before we get to anything uh, this week, uh, make sure you rate, comment, subscribe on iTunes. Oh, not called iTunes anymore. I don't know why, but uh, my millennial, millennial ass keeps calling it iTunes. But on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Anchor FM, wherever you want to uh, listen to your podcast, just make sure you rate, comment, subscribe. Do all the normal things you would have with any other podcast or YouTube show. Uh, but we have partnered up with Newsly, and it is... Uh, an aggregate website where it pulls all these different news articles from all these different websites and it reads the news to you in a nice, calm, cool, uh, very even-toned voice. It's not like Siri or Alexa where it's almost robotic it's in nature. It's not robotic. Right. It's very, I don't know how they do it, but it's very natural sounding voice. Um, and they get news articles from all over the place. They basically make the web listenable at this point. And one of the biggest problems I've constantly said since we've partnered up with Newsly is people don't read past the headline or only read like maybe two or three sentences of the actual article and then move on. They get the information they want, the confirmation bias or whatever the fuck they're looking for, and then they move on. Newsly takes that element out of it entirely. They will, and it's in, it's not in like long drawn out chunks. It's in like five, 10 minute in, uh, increments. However long it takes to read the article, the whole article. Right. And it, depending on what you want to listen to or what your uh, experience is or what you music articles are, yeah, you can experience. personalize the experience. Um, and then you, on top of all the news being read to you that's currently on the web, you can also listen to podcasts from over 40 countries, including ours as well. So it's basically just this one-stop center for everything that you can be, fucking want to listen news to. News and podcast aggregator. Yep. And um, if you want to start up a premium account with like unlimited skips and like a more tailored experience to what you want, you can start up a premium account through Newsly um, by using our promo code, which is Nerdinian, N-E-R-D, the number one, N- the number 10. The number 10. I was blanking on it. And then the letter N as well. It's basically Nerdinian with the ones, with the I's and O's replaced with ones and zeros. Um, you just go there, set up the account, they'll ask for a promo code. You input our promo code, Nerdinian, and you'll be get good to go. Get a month free. You get one month free of the premium service, and I think it's like nine ninety nine after that. Um, so go there, do all that. And if anything I've said about uh, where you can go, newsly.me, or just the type of Newsly in iOS or Android stores. Any of that is confusing. Everything will be in the show description. Just click on the link there. Uh, we'll also have the uh, code for our the free month of the premium service. Yeah, and our just promo code. Will be cut, copy, well. paste, and you'll be good to go. Anyway, I'm Greg Vance. And I'm Ryan Downing. And we are Nerdinian. Uh, we take apart uh, nerd movies week by week, scene by scene, beat by beat. And this week is no different, Ryan. And this week we are talking about The Matrix Reloaded. 
I almost said revolution because <laughs> I always get the names of well every single movie with the exception of the first one of course it's always like is re R-E, something yeah something reloaded revelations now resurrections as well so it's on them they screwed up I doubt they care but they screwed up no. <laughs> um, but yeah we were talking about the matrix they just they reloaded just made them so that you watch them out of order right sometimes. <laughs> Um, depending if you have like a preference and you accidentally so watch the wrong one, fucking, fucking put one on. This doesn't happen yet. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so, do you remember uh, how they did this movie? How they did these next two movies? What I'm getting at is that they shot both movies back to back. So oh, yes. they took an entire yes. year and shot Reloaded and Revelations, Revolutions, whatever the fuck it's called, um, together as one whole giant movie, and then they just split it up. Um, so it took like a year for them to shoot it, another year for post-production and everything after that. And this movie came out, I think it was like April, March, somewhere in there, maybe even May of 2003. And then by November of 2000, that same year, 2003, uh, Revolution came out. The second one came out. So we bookended the year with those two movies coming out. Um, let's get into this movie. So it was written and directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski, starring Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving, Monica Bellucci, Jada Pinkett Smith, Lambert Wilson, Nona Gay, Harold Perrineau, um, and the great Cornell West. We'll get to him here in a bit. Um, we got Gloria Foster, Essie Davis, Gina Torres, Jan- Daniel Bernhardt, Clayton Watson, Henry Lennox, Anthony Zerbe, Ian Bliss, Colin Chow, Hel- Helmut Bacalis. Bacalis? I think that's how you say his last name. Um, Steve Bastoni and Roy Jones Jr. Along with, uh, I also wrote these two names, the, the twins, Neil and Adrian Raymond, who played the twins. The Dreadlock yes. twins. They, um, their name is just the twins. Yeah, I believe so. This movie starts off with, uh, I believe, just like the Matrix reign. We just see, and things starting to like solidify within the Matrix construct. Uh, we see like a uh, clock gears and stuff like that. We see numbers starting to like form and stuff. And then it just pulls back out of the matrix construct and we see it like solidify completely. And it's a clock for like a, um, uh, paste of the time clock for, uh, at some job. We'll find out here in yeah. a second what it is. Um, and as it continues to pull out, we just see like security guards clocking out and everything, putting their time card back into the little holder right there next to it i believe one guy stops sees someone counting like sheep or something like just passing out and says you don't get paid to count sheep or something along something snarky where he's about to pass out and the other guy's not too happy that he's about to pass right. out either way the guy that uh makes the snarky comment leaves and then we hear Wing. yeah it's just the winding wind up of the crotch rocket and we just see just a figure on this crotch rocket barreling towards the security office uh, and it's all dressed in black the she jumps off of it and lands on her feet right at the same moment that the um motorcycle hits the security office and blows up the entire office uh she takes off her helmet and is revealed as trinity is the one that was uh, doing all this and then we just see the, uh, all security guards that had left the facility uh, start attacking her, and she just starts laying waste to all of them. We see her do, and I'm only pointing this out because it was apparently she had like a hard time trying to do it 
uh, who see her do like a scorpion kick where she takes her leg and just arcs it back behind her towards someone in front of her. Right. So it apparently took a lot of months of practice to try to get that move just right. And when she does it, it's amazing. It's very similar to what we get in the first Matrix movie when we first introduced the trilogy or Trinity. Um, and she, yeah, I know. <laughs> the Matrix Trinity with the character Trinity. Trinity. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, and it's very similar to that first movie where she lays waste to all those cops and everything. Where we first get introduced to the idea of bullet time with the camera panning around and everything. It's a similar scene in this one. She lays waste to all those guys. She gets onto a phone and she says, I'm in. And then we cut to, it just basically fast forwards to her running through an office, bursting out of the window, all in slow-mo. She turns around as she's uh, basically falling to the ground. And right behind her is Firing an agent. two guns. Up, yeah, like two Uzis. pans up to, um, I believe it's Agent Johnson is his name. I don't know. Just an agent of some sort. Um, he is also following close behind her. He's also firing his gun. And if you ever watch any of the like behind the scenes, they're just on this like, flat long shaft where she's on one end it's almost like a teeter-totter where she's on one end and he's on the other and they're just going past the camera and everything while they're all like strapped into everything and i thought mm-hmm. that was really interesting how they do it they well any other director maybe may have like put each actor separately in when they were shooting it and then just compile them together but for the Wachowskis, and i'm assuming it would just have been like a simple thing to think of, but the way that they do it, I found always interesting. Just watch the behind the scenes of how they do it. It's very interesting how they do a lot of the scenes. So, so they're firing guns at one another. All this glass and everything is falling uh, all around them. And uh, right when it looks like Trinity is about to out of, be out of bullets, we see one bullet go from the agent's gun right into her midsection. She, uh, her heart. Yeah. Yeah, it's in her chest. Somewhere in there, and we don't know if it's her heart because later on we find out it's not her heart. Because, right? Spoilers. But you haven't watched this movie, probably shouldn't listen to us talk about it. He ends up massaging her heart, so right. it's not damaged. She just gets shot in the chest, I guess. And she gets shot in the chest in this scene, and right when she does, she makes this face, and we'll get to it here in a bit, where it's all—it's not really pain, but it's not really pleasure. It's that in between. Like gray area. Whatever you say, Penhead. Right. It's what I said last uh, last week. But it's very they they play with that idea of like the that gray area in between pain and pleasure throughout this entire movie. Hell, I think they, if I remember correctly, they even play on that idea in the next one as well. And then as she's uh, just careening towards the ground, we cut to a wider shot, and her body slams into a car just below her. And then we get Neo waking up, and he's clearly had a bad dream of some sort. Uh, he gets up to leave, and Trinity sees that he's leaving, and she's like, what's going on? I think she asks him, like, you had another bad dream or something like that. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I just, I can't sleep uh, well. And she's like, I don't think she says too much. She's like, all right, I get it, type aspect. Yeah. He leaves the room. They're on the Nebuchadnezzar at this point. I'm going somewhere. We're not sure where. Um, we cut to, I think it's uh, Link. And Morpheus in, like, the cockpits flying the ship. And they're trying to go to, like, broadcast level for something. And Link is trying to tell Morpheus, like, look, this is too close for comfort. There's sentinels close by. We shouldn't be here. And Morpheus is like, Link, just just do what I say. Don't worry about it. We'll be fine. And Link is a bit nervous. They get into, like, a small corridor. They shut off. They land. They shut off most of the ship, except for what they need to jack into the Matrix and everything. 
And uh, before they go and start suiting up and everything, Morpheus is like, look, Link, I don't know why you decided to sign up for this. I know Tank and Dozer were, I think, brothers? Cousins? cousins something. They were related to you in some manner. I can't remember, remember I exactly. And Morpheus is like, I don't know why you signed up for it, but I'm glad you did. But from now on, I need you to do one thing. And Link's like, what's that, sir? Trust me. And Link is like, okay, I will, sir. And he's like, oh, I do, sir. Um, They cut to Trinity and Neil are having a conversation in the bunk. And in walks a Link. And he's like, um, or Link doesn't say anything initially. Neil looks over and he's like, are they ready for us? And Link's like, we're already late. Um, we cut to inside some sort of like sewer access, I'm assuming. Yeah. Maybe some sort of like factory basement. I don't know. It's some sort of with like all these like different like tunnels connected to it because we see a bunch of people, um, captains and all their like first mates and I guess right hand men. We see Jada Pinkett Smith. We see uh, Roy Jordans Jr. We see several captains of different ships, the Lagos. Or logos, vigilant, and a few others. I can't remember exactly what their names are. But Osiris? No, they're talking about the last message of Osiris. Oh, that's that's right. how that's right. Yeah. So yeah, so Jada Pinkett Smith, Niobe is telling them, "Hey, we just got this last message uh, message from uh, Osiris, who was taken out by the Sentinels, but it's proof that the Sentinels are now digging. The machines are digging towards Zion to take us out." We only have about 72 hours before all hell breaks loose. And Niobe's trying to tell him, like, look, we need to get the fuck out of here. The Commander Locke is telling us, get the hell out of the Matrix, come back to Zion so we can start preparing. So basically, all, all ships able to get back to Zion need, dock. need to go back to Zion to help protect Zion hmm. from the machine you know, army that is coming to them. And if you watch the Animatrix, you will also get... I just want to mention this real quick. You also get one of the short stories of um, the Animatrix is called The Flight of the Osiris, and it's the backstory of what happened to the crew of the Osiris and uh, how they found out about all this. It's really interesting to do this like um, hyper-detailed, um, almost Final Fantasy-esque Advent Children movie mm -hmm. CGI. I don't know. I'm sure you've yeah. watched that before. Yeah. So it's very similar to that, very hyper-detailed, especially for like 2003 era of... Um, CGI graphics and yeah. things like that. So yeah. it was a very um, groundbreaking, if you will. Um, and at this point, M Morpheus walks in because someone's like... Niobe mentions that there are like 250,000 Sentinels heading our way towards Zion. And someone's like, bullshit. There's no way in hell I believe any of this. And Morpheus walks in mid-conversation. He's like, why not? It's a Sentinel for every man, woman, and child in Zion. One for every single person that lives in Zion. Think so, like a machine would. Yeah, and they would definitely bring everybody that they would need to cover and make sure bring that the one human race everyone. would be uh, eliminated completely. And uh, we see that Morpheus and Niobe have some sort of like something going on. We're not sure just yet what it is, there's, there's but there's little, some sort of like tension going on. Something. Because she says Morpheus, but she says Morpheus, and it's just like dripping with contempt almost like she doesn't hate the man but she's also like you are a prick and then uh she moves on he says niobe like i know i know you want me but i also know that i'm a pain in the ass for you and i think it's just them having a conversation and morpheus is trying to tell them like look 
yes, the machines will get to Zion. There's nothing we can do to prevent that. And obviously we need to prevent, uh, or we need to, you know, bring our hens, uh, or chickens to roost or whatever the fuck. Uh, but I need one, one ship, ship to, to stay, stay here in broadcasting level. So if we get a message from uh, the Oracle, uh, we can all, my ship and my team can go and uh, meet her. And Morpheus is like, I'd stay, but our ship needs to recharge, so I'm asking one of you to do it. And right away, no one's like, no, this isn't going to happen, because Commander Locke's going to be pissed, and he's going to fucking do, uh, he's going to throw you, Morpheus, in the stockade for simply asking about it. And Morpheus is like, look, there's nothing to do about it. I need someone to stay here. The Oracle is important. Neo is important. And the only way could we can figure out our next step is by talking to the Oracle. But we have to wait until the Oracle sends word that she wants to talk to us. There's no other way. We can't just barge in and just demand to talk to the right. Oracle. Whenever she's ready, we'll talk to her. And Roy Jones, Roy Jones Jr.'s character. Roy Jones Jr. I said Jones, didn't I? Yes. Uh, Roy Jones Jr.'s character. Um, he's like, all right, Morpheus, damn it. Um, I'll do it. Um, for the very fact that I want to see what uh, the commander what does. What commander log does to you. And Morpheus says, thank you. And as they're in the middle of like basically like chit-chatting about um, what has happened, we see Neo recognize something that's kinda, happened kinda nearby. Kind of to the side, like, like a dog whenever it hears a noise it doesn't understand and right. kind of like tilts its head to the side. And, like, Curious. Huh? Yeah. Uh, we cut to outside, I guess, the facility or the f- facility that they're at. We just see a car pull up into an alley, get out of the car, and walk up to the, the, the like the steel door. It knocks on it a few times. A guy opens the slot, says, what do you want? And we hear Hugo Weaving's voice, um, Agent Smith, saying, is Neo here? And the guy's like, I don't know who the hell you're talking about. He's like, all right, just tell Neo thank you and give him this. He hands him like a small envelope. Uh, and the guy grabs it and says, all right, now fuck off. Closes the sliding door. Right when he does that, Neo comes up the steps and is like, who was that? And the two agents that are, gra- or not the two agents, but the two... Uh, guys that are guarding the door. Yeah, guys, the people that are jacked into the Matrix on their own volition are, that are gra- guarding the door are like, how the fuck did you know someone was at the door? Uh, Neo doesn't answer because the one guy's like, he told me to give you this. Hands it to Neo. Neo rips it open and it's the earpiece. Um, from Agent He's Smith said he, he said to me, tell you gave to me this you. and tell you thank you yeah for setting him free I yeah think. that's it for setting him free yeah and right when he says for setting him free we see the earpiece land in Neo's palm and right away Neo's like get to your exits get the fuck out of here agents, agents are, are here and the guys are like shit really and then they book it and right when they start booking it we hear poof, poof, poof. we just see fists pounding into the door and then the door bursts open and there's three agents and I, the, the long short of it i didn't write this speech down i wrote other speeches down so some things had to be written down this speech right away i didn't want to write it down because it just it, the, the long and short of it is all three agents are speaking like yeah kind of completing kind of each like, other's sentences kind of like uh the fates would. yes 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 very um, much so and like uh and and the was, iliad it was um He's here, the anomaly. Should we proceed? Yeah. Yes, after all, he is still only human. Yes. I think that's word for word what it is. <laughs> um, so, they, yeah, they start scuffling a bit. And, uh, and like I said last week, I don't get why they start fighting. If Neo can enter into an agent and make them explode, Ryan, there's no reason for him to fight. 
And they start scuffling a bit. We see Neo do his normal thing where he uses one hand to block several of the moves. He goes to punch the guy, and the agent stops him completely and says, hmm, upgrades. Grabs his arm, yeah. and Neo says, hmm, upgrades. Which, to me, means Neo can't jump into their chest and make them explode. That was like a one-time thing. Like, he doesn't know how to do that. But I think he does, because he reaches into Trinity later on and pulls out the bullet and then starts her heart but back up. But that's not until after he speaks to the architect and gets a deeper understanding of his connection to the Matrix and I guess. everything. Like, that's that's at least how I take it, mm-hmm. is that, like, because... Yeah, cause w- because what happens... With the architect and the how, end what we find movie, out. Well, no, at the the end end of the movie... In the real world, oh, with the sentinels and everything, right? He yeah. doesn't, he doesn't know that he can do that until after he speaks to the architect, and then he comes back out and he's like, something's, something's different. different. Yeah, which I like that idea of what they do with the Neo character. Yes, and we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, but but I, that's that's my that's my thought is mm-hmm. that um, they're upgraded versions of agents. Previous the agents. agents decide. To go after him because even though he is anomalous, he's only human. Right. And they start scuffling with him. It's a fantastic fight scene. We get several fight scenes in this movie that are just fucking fantastic. There's one in the middle of the movie, which is just a bit dicey at times. Ridiculous. Three quarters of that that park fight is pretty good. Like, they do a lot of wire work in that entire fight scene. It's It's not until they start using a CGI version of Neo where I'm just like, I'm out. This yeah. looks stupid. Um, but majority of that fight is pretty decent. Um, but yeah, in this fight scene, they're scuffling back and forth, and we get all like the martial arts moves and everything. We see Neo just taking on all three of these guys, just whooping their ass. At one point, Neo takes care of two guys, and then the last guy, they end up scuffling outside the door, or like the corridor that they're in, going into the alley. Neo quickly takes care of him, kicks him into a nearby lamppost. The glass from the lamppost crashes it crashes into the ground we see neo look around not seeing anybody else does his like uh charging ability to fly because we see the ground like ripple from his feet out and Mm -hmm. up the side of the building he launches into the air and starts flying we just see the uh environment around him just like crack back into the original shape that it was in like the ripple just disappears from everything and we just see neo flying at this point um what we got at the end of the last movie he does a lot in these next two movies. He's flying all over the fucking place in these yeah. next two movies. Uh, well, I mean, if you could, wouldn't you? Yes. I most definitely would fucking fly anywhere I needed to go. Hell, I probably wouldn't fucking do anything but fly. If I could fly anywhere, I would just fucking go all over the fucking world and fly wherever I wanted to go. Like, there's that old um, question that you would always ask someone. Like, would you want uh, invisibility or the ability to fly? Um, and my answer would always be flying. I, flying would be a fucking amazing. Because I was already invisible in high school. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, what's the next scene? Oh, it's uh, Agent Smith. We see Agent Smith come down the hallway right after Neo takes off. And he says, all these things have come to pass just like before. And Agent Smith is like, well, not exactly like before. And we see a copy of Agent Smith walk up to him. Thus indicating like something's going on with Agent Smith. He's disconnected from the Matrix mainframe. And he's able to replicate himself in some manner. 
we then cut to I think Trinity and Morpheus are pulled out of the Matrix, and right they away, ask what Neo's doing, and Link says he's doing his Superman thing. Right, and we cut to Neo flying in the air, and he basically like hovers midair, like uh, up in the clouds, uh, looks at some sort of like apartment complex, and just beelines it to the apartment complex. He lands on the roof. We see him walk through the hallways and stuff and gets into the apartment. He's gone back to the apartment of the Oracle, only there's nobody there. So he can't just demand that he talks to the Oracle. She will talk to him when she is ready. Uh, We then cut to Link uh, telling the Matrix, or not the Matrix, but um, Zion mainframe is like, we are approaching, and he mentions like the access codes. And we see uh, like four or five people jacked into the, the Matrix, I guess. Because all we see is like the white construct room. Yeah, like a... We see people jacked into a chair, but we see the same people in like the white construct right. room with like a bunch of like holographic like tech in front of them that's, controlling. Yeah, that's kind of my thought is it's what happens in this latest movie, I guess, with like a a Matrix in... Or a Matrix separate from the matrix it's just like a loading program yeah. that allows them to control the docks of docks and the guns outside of zion so that way because apparently they're automatically stopped to just like start ripping through motherfuckers the moment the i guess computer catches them so they are that's what the access codes are for it's basically just to tell them uh guns to not fire because we see the guns power down at one point as the Nebuchadnezzar yep. passes them and everything. We see the doors open up. Um, the woman operating the machines uh, says, welcome home. Uh, beds are made or some shit like that. I don't remember exactly what. Some along those lines. And Link says, thank you. Good to I, be home. Yeah, I don't think that she says anything about home. Like I think she just says, like, welcome the beds are made or something and yeah link is the one that says it's good to be home yeah um this is where we get our first glimpse of zion we see someone in like a big ass mech suit near the entrance of the ne- where the nebuchadnezzar just went through as the doors close that big kind of me- kind of like a gunned version of the uh like exo suit from like alien yeah, it's very similar to like the lifting uh, exosuit from Aliens. Instead of it having like the claws to lift up like big boxes, it has machine guns on it. Right. Um, we see a guy like basically just power down uh, like the guns on it because it's like world or like powering like heating up, just waiting for something to come through right. that isn't supposed to come through. Uh, the doors close completely. We see the mech suit uh, basically just stand down. Yeah, pretty much. Um, we see the Nebuchadnezzar basically dock into like this big like harbor for all other like uh, electrical EMP ships as well because we see a few others also docked as well. Um, the ship docks, they exit the rig, and then we see what was his name, Captain uh, Mifun, with a few of his men. Mufune. Mufune, with a few of his men uh, at the edge of where the Nebuchadnezzar has docked, and Morpheus is like, "Look, Captain Mifune, Mifune." And he's like Morpheus, and they're very cordial to one of the, one another. Um, they have respect for one another. It's not until he, one of his peons um, is like Commander Locke wants to talk to you, and Mifune is like, uh, uh-uh, uh, that ain't happening. And he just, well, he doesn't say that. He's like, Mm-mm-mm-mm. and the guy corrects himself. He's like, Commander Locke would ha- like to have a word with you, sir. Morpheus is like, Link, have my ship ready as soon as possible. He hands Link his bags, I guess, which. Why would they have bags? 
we don't see them with any like personal items. We see that the ship provides them with any food. Obviously, it's not the greatest food in the world, but we see them provide with like the basic needs that the human body would need. I would say it's probably like their laundry. I mean, you only ever see them in the one outfit, but like maybe. But they also have like a tool belt as well on their shoulders. And I'm just like, of what? Tools. For what? For if something breaks. <laughs> but what? <laughs> the ship. <laughs> but wouldn't those tools already be on the ship? Wouldn't it be wise just to keep those tools on the ship? We are speaking about the last shreds of humanity right. that have like one set of wrenches <laughs> for everything. Yeah. So they have to share and bring their personal tools. <laughs> and like they live in a city where like everything's mechanical there too. So no. like they might need their tools if they uprise their door powers down. Yeah. I or guess something. Whatever. It just didn't make any sense. Uh, especially that for them to have... You know what? Having one bag full of just shit, fine. Like a duffel bag that they carry, fine. With like basic needs. Perfectly fine. But they they each have like two or three bags on them. And like that belt across their shoulder as they're carrying stuff, trying to maneuver around people. I'm just like, this seems like an awful lot of fucking shit for people to be holding on to. Especially people that are very minimalist in nature. Yeah. Uh, Morpheus goes with uh, Captain Mifune and his men, and as he does, we hear um, uh, uh, like a, I say like a 17, 18 year old guy yell, Neo! And right away, Neo's like, God damn it, he found me again. And Trinity's like, How does he find us every time? And Neo's like, I don't know. Uh, and up runs, and I forget his name. I don't think we ever meant get his name in the movie, but we do in the Animatrix. I think it's like Billy something. I believe, anyway. Uh, and he runs up. He's like, hey, Neo, it's good to see you. Um, and the kid's very infatuated with Neo. Yeah. And he asks Neo, can I take your bags? And Neo's like, no, no, I got this. But Link is like, hey, you can help me with these bags. He's, we get small little scenes here and there of the kid basically asking Neo what's been going on, why... Are certain things happening? We were getting rumors that the machines are digging towards Zion. And Neo's like, look, you know we can't fucking tell you anything. Uh, Link says the same thing as well. Like, they can't mention anything to people. Like, there's no reason to ask us. And then the kid goes on to, I want to thank you, Neo, for pulling me out. Because you, I can now see. And we also get this in the Animatrix as well. Why This kid, I think his name is Billy, like I said, his backstory. We see him. Like questioning reality in the Animatrix to the point where he starts stepping off the roof and then Neo saves him from making a bad mistake and pulls him out of the Matrix. Um, it's a very nice story. Uh, the animation's very um, like a spirited away type animation, yeah. if I remember correctly. It's very much like that. And the, the kid's just very... Ever since Neo saved the kid, the kid's been infatuated with Neo. Like, not just saved his life but from pulled him dying, out of, but also pulled him to reality. Yeah. Um, pulled him out of the Matrix, pretty much. Uh, and we cut to, I think it's Morpheus being presented in front of Commander Locke. And Commander Locke's like, what the fuck? I asked all ships to rem- come back to Zion because I believe shit's about to go down here at Zion. And I need every possible person here that can be here. And Morpheus is like, well, I believe 
that we need to have word from the Oracle to figure out what Neo needs to do next. And Commander, Len- I was going to say Commander Lennox. I was like, nope, that's the actor. Um, Commander Locke is like, fuck you, you stupid, bulbous prick. Uh, and as they're having this like back and forth, uh, it seems like Commander Locke is basically going to throw Morpheus in some sort of like stockade or even like a jail of some sort. And right when it seems like the, their argument is going to ramp up to that, in walks Counselor Haman. And he pretty much asks Morpheus, like, so why did we leave one ship behind? And Morpheus tells him what he just told Commander Locke. He's like, look, I did it because I believe that we need to get work. We need to be ready uh, for whenever the Oracle is ready for us to have us return to the Matrix so we can figure out what our next move is, what Neo needs to do, because I believe in Neo. And Counselor Haman is like, all right, I think that's the best option. But it doesn't say what Morpheus can do just yet. Um, he basically tells Commander Locke, like, this needs to end or some shit like that. Um, like, they're bickering back and forth. Needs to end. Uh, we then cut to them on uh, Neo, Trinity, Link, and the, the, this new kid on an elevator. Um, we see uh, Link, as the elevator door opens, he's like, this is my floor. I'll see you guys later. Um, the kid's gonna hand link all of the bags that the kid is carrying but link is like no no kid come on they they got places they need to go you come with me the kid exits the elevator but he's very reluctant to do it but he's listening to link no matter what but you could see he's not wanting oh, to leave Neo. Neo. um right when the elevator door closes bam they drop all their bags and uh neo and trinity just start making out like fucking teenagers right the fuck away um and they 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 whisper to one another they've been wanting to do that for so long trinity says uh yeah i can feel it which indicates to me like he instantly an erection he's got a boner right away like the moment they start making out boom turgent um (laughs) uh as they're having this conversation the elevator door dings and opens up and on the other side of the elevator is just a sea of people with gifts and tithings and they get up and look at neo and they start praising neo and they start asking neo my son is my on, son is on such and such ship can you watch over him uh, my son is still in the matrix can you pull him out blah 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 shit like that and neo is like they they're treating neo obviously we'll get to later on in the series where Neo is Jesus Christ. And these people are treating Neo like Jesus Christ. They're giving him gifts, tithings, what have you. Right. Um, and just asking him for help in any way that they can. They're not overly aggressive about it. They're not weirdly crying about it. They're just like, please help us, Neo. Yeah, it's like a... They're they're praying to him. Pretty to, much. To um, Trinity sees this and starts to walk away. And Neo's like, no, 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 don't go. And she's like, no, they need you. And Neo's like, but I need you. And she's like, I know. And then she just walks away, um, leaving Neo to whatever happens with Neo. And I'm assuming everybody's fine because we don't see him like later on. He's like, all right, next. What do you need? Oh, you want your pet cat back here in reality? All right, I'll see what I can fucking do. Stamps it down, hands him the ticket. This is just my own fucking canon just as he's like. Uh, (laughs) What do you want? No. There are no cats. There are no pets in the real world. <laughs> if you want a pet, you can have mine. He's down with Link. Go get him. <laughs> Next. Yeah. Uh, if we then cut to 
what is the next scene? I think it's... Um, I think we see the ship that was uh, left behind in the Matrix. We see two men enter like this room with like a single phone. And yeah. uh, they crash through a window and it's like, Jesus, did you see that agent? He came out of nowhere. We see the one guy saying, all right, we got this. Tucks it into his coat pocket. The phone rings. He grabs it. He enters back out of the Matrix. And the guy still in the Matrix hangs up the phone. But right when he does, we see right behind him. Agent Smith, who jumps down, grabs the guy by the arm, who's about to like fire his gun at him, and then just shoves his hand into the guy, and we just see all this like silvery metallic shit starting to like crawl over the guy, and then we just see it completely uh, envelop the guy, and then boom, he's now Agent Smith. Yep. And the phone rings again. Uh, The guy, agent, the now Agent Smith guy answers it. We see him digitize out of the Matrix. And then we cut to, I think it's the kid running up to the cave for the dance rave scene. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, and he's asking someone nearby if he's late, and she's like, no, they just got started. And it's just a fucking sea of people throughout this entire like stalagmite cave. And uh, we have people nearby on like a nearby cliff of the cave just looking down, and it's the uh, counselor, Ahaman. It's like, look, and they're all giving speeches. This is one of the parts of the movie where I'm just like, this is unnecessary. It's incredibly stupid, uh, especially what Morpheus says here, says here in a bit. It's just, there's no point to this. Like, th- none of what is said here needed to be said. Of course humans were going to fight. That's the whole point of these movies. Yeah. But Morpheus laying it out, and that was part of the scene between uh, Counselor Haman uh, Commander Len- or Commander Locke and Morpheus, because L- Counselor Hallman is like, "What do you think we should do, Commander Locke?" And Commander Locke's like, "I think we should keep this from people. There's no reason to get people frightened and get them all riled up." And then Command or Counselor Hallman is like, "All right, Morpheus, what do you think?" And Morpheus is like, "I think we should tell fucking everybody what's been going on. Yeah. There's enough rumors swirling around. We should be honest with them. People won't panic. People are smart." They'll figure it out. We're obviously in Zion, so they know what the deal is. That should have been the end of this conversation. We should have just assumed that, hey, they told everybody what's going on and then moved the fuck on. But no, we get the scene. Yeah, I want to say it's because they wanted to show what decision was made. I guess. Um, but yeah, we see Counselor Haman at the edge of this cliff. He's like, my next guest needs no introduction. You all know who he is. Welcome, Morpheus. Morpheus comes up, and he the long and short of what he's saying is... People of Zion! <laughs> yes. Uh, Tear he, the roof off this motherfucker. <laughs> and he's telling them, like, look, uh, machines are digging to uh, Zion. They're going to kill us all if we don't figure out a way to fix this in the Matrix. Yes. Yes, the machines are coming. Yes, they're going to kill everybody here. But you know what we should do? Mm, 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 Dance mm, rave mm, and orgy. Woo! <laughs> it's so fucking ridiculous. Because he yells out, We are not scared. We are Zion, or some shit like that. Uh, they all yell out in unison, and then we just hear like music starting to ramp up. Um, I think he basically even says, like, Make the machines hear us from way hear, down here or yeah, some shit like that make the machines hear us in this temple or something right. like that so, meaning that this is where they like worship whatever god yeah so this something. is this is them worshiping 
which turns into a fucking orgy rave. dance orgy rave yeah. thing. Uh, s- slash gratuitous sex scene with because that's all it is with uh, Neo and Trinity. Yeah, it's just it's just the vehicle to get to where Neo and Trinity are fucking because we see Neo to, nearby to the EDM music. Yes, that they can. Just like generic EDM music. Like, there's nothing interesting about this EDM music at fucking all. Like, there are some EDM music where you're like, all right, I can see how someone could like that. But majority of what we get in this scene is just like generic, like. Shitty fucking music. Right. Yeah, we see the rave happen. We see people apparently wet. Yeah. Because we see like sheer, like we see tops on, but they're all wet and sheer. And there's one the guy wetness. with like huge ass dreads that like throws. His yeah, hair whips back his head up in the air. And fucking like, like all this water comes off yeah. of it. I'm like, where did the water come from? Yeah, that's that. Well, they're they're in a stalactite slash stalagmite cave. So are they naturally be, wet? There's going to be pools of water somewhere, I probably, because that's how they're formed is through drips of water <laughs> happening over. Over a course eons of time, yeah. Eons. Um, so yeah, and as this rave is happening, we see Neo nearby just watching everything unfold. He senses, I guess, that Trinity's nearby. He looks off to the distance, and there's Trinity um, walking up through like the sea of people. He walks up to her. They start making out. And then Neo right away is like, look, everyone's here. And Trinity's like, I know what you mean. And then they she escorts them away, and they just start fucking. And it's not like, we don't see anything, of course, but we do see him thrusting into her. Like, not his dick, but we see him, like, before you would always see, like, I don't know, like, just, like, basic, like, rudimentary moves. (laughs) Right. But it wasn't, it wasn't. I'm not entering the microphone, (laughs) but I'm definitely brushing against it. Right. But it wasn't like sex scenes in previous movies. It was always like the, just like rudimentary, like humping. But in here, it almost seems like he's actually like Keanu Reeves is entering into Carrie Ann Moss because he's making like these deep like exits and entering of her like like you would with like your hips and your entire body because we see her like jolting up and him like going back right just, like the inertia of just having sex. We've both had sex before. We know how it works, but you see how sex works in movies and it doesn't work that way. It doesn't look that nuanced and smooth, but in here, this scene right now, it looks very much, we don't obviously, like I said, we don't see anything, but it's very much like, I think these people are, they fucking. actually fucked. <laughs> it looks like they're actually fucking. Um, at one point it looks like Trinity's about to come. And right when she does, she has that same look on her face. Like I said, it's like gray area between pleasure and pain. And Neo sees this and immediately <laughs> it freaks him the fuck out. I'm assuming he didn't come. He didn't finish because immediately she's like, what? what? What just happened? She starts hugging him. Like, I'm assuming he went fucking soft right away. Right when he saw that face, he was like, nope, uh, I can't do this. <laughs> Grandma, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, she immediately was like asking, "What? what's wrong? And he's like, look, I... I don't want you to die. And Trinity's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. You see this? And she touches his hand. He's like, I'm here for the long haul or some shit like that. Um, they hold each other. We pan out. And I really like the shot of her holding him. Yeah. Instead of like the masculine, like he's the big spoon. She's the little spoon. No, it's in the reverse where she's holding him, right. consoling him, which is fucking amazing. Uh, we see the camera just like pan out away from them. It's just that shot of them in the bed. 
as the camera pulls away, just a sea of black all around them. Yeah, the, I was going to say. As the uh, camera continues to pull away further and further. Uh, we then cut to, I think it's a knock on the door. Um, and it's uh, Roy Jones Jr.'s character um, with like some sort of like file handing it to Neo. He's like, look. Uh, she wants to see you guys and just hands it. We don't see what's on the file, assuming just the new Oracle basically saying, hey, meet me here at this time, now. Um, we then see um, the Nebuchadnezzar with Link, Neo, Morpheus, and Trinity all on it. And we have... Uh, we missed a small scene uh, where Link goes home. Oh, that's right. Uh, and his wife is basically like, hey, I need... I don't know why I forgot it because the scene the way he enters into the uh, I guess their home um, he's like where's my put and he sees hey! <laughs> I'm assuming like his niece and nephews or like second cousins nearby they're, but they're little children like playing on the floor nearby because he's going to see <laughs> what I don't know why he decides to enter into his room yes he hasn't seen his wife in a while but why you would enter into your room and presumably be like, hey, where's my pussy? <laughs> Why you would do that is beyond me. <laughs> it, it makes no sense. But yes, that's what he's going to say. He was about to say, where's my pussy? And he cuts himself off uh, because there are children nearby. And his, uh, I think it's um, Tank's uh, uh, widow yeah. is there with, his two, with her two kids. And she's like, I'll leave you guys alone. Uh, her name is Z. But uh, before, Link's Link's girlfriend is yeah, named before Zia. before she does like he's talking about how big the kids are getting and stuff and he's like oh try to lift me up try to lift me up and they each take a leg and he grabs up to the ceiling and like pulls, pulls himself, himself up. up as they're lifting oh my god you're so strong what are you feeding them and stuff um and just just playing with kids and yeah. like a good a good hearted nature fashion yeah, yeah. type thing yeah. and Z's like oh look he's such a good He'll be such a good dad. Right. Yeah, it's like, one of those like type scenes. Like, oh, once he has kids of his own, he'll be amazing type shit. Um, Gina Torres um, says, I'll leave you guys to it. Um, I believe Link says, oh, don't worry about me. But then Z is like, no, she needs to fucking worry about you because you're about to be in a world of hurt. Uh, she doesn't say that exactly. She says something along those lines. I can't remember exactly what she says. Uh, but Link is looking at her as everybody leaves. It's like, what the fuck? Why are you pissed at me? I just got home. Why are you angry? And she lays it all on, on the line for uh, Link. And he's like, look, my two brothers died. I want to say... Dozer and Tank cousins. both. I thought it was... Because they were brothers. Yeah, Tank and Dozer were brothers. I want to say Link is their cousin. Maybe. But it, Tank and Dozer were someone that Z carried very but much about... It was her brother. Like, she's related to... Tank and Dozer. Tank and Dozer. I so think. not Link. Link is just a friend of Tank and Dozer's. Because right, because... Because if it's Link's cousins, but her brothers, that means there's some sort of like incest thing going on. No. I, don't, I think Link I don't was just Tank and Dozer's friends. Or maybe Z is related to... I think Z is the sister of Tank and Dozer. Or Z is related to... Tank's wife, the the woman who's there. Maybe. I, I know she cares about Tank and Dozer. Right. There's well, and that's, you know, like like there's obviously we're not actually brothers. Right, right. But we're very much yeah. brothers to yeah. the point where like 
if something happened to you, I would definitely care for Sarah right. and for the kids and stuff like that. Just like if something yeah. would happen to me, you would care about Miranda. And yes. like, so Z cares for them because it's the husband of yeah. her sister or whatever. whatever the there's some, yeah. there's some sort of familial connection right. between them, whether it's family that they chose because, uh, they're all jacked out of the matrix or whether they're actually related. Well, the people of Z- some people of Zion, I think link, we don't see any of the connections on link. Obviously tank and dozer didn't have the connections. Right, they so were I, born and I don't in, in Zion, in Zion. So, and I don't remember seeing any on Z. So they're all naturally born humans, Zion right. humans. And so Z, long get past all that shit. They're very familiar with one another. Z cared about Tank and Dozer, so did Link, uh, to the point where Tank is about to pass away, and he Link makes some sort of like proclamation, like he will take over his position on the Nebuchadnezzar. He promised him on his deathbed that he would take over for him right. and become the operator for Nebuchadnezzar. And-, and Z is like, no, I need you to find a different assignment, and. Uh, and Link is like, no, I made a promise to Tank. And Z's like, well, if Tank knew how I felt about all this, he wouldn't have made you make that promise. And Link is like, look. He did. He did. Build a bridge and get over it. <laughs> Pretty much. He's like, Give me my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he's telling her, like, look, I obviously Morpheus is fucking crazy. But. If you see Neo... Do what he can do. Well, yeah, because he's like, Morpheus is crazy. Like, there's nothing special about this guy. And he's like, well, like, Morpheus might be a little crazy, but, like, whenever you've seen Neo do the things that I've seen him do, like... There's no getting around There's it. There's a bit of, like, I fucking... I buy it. Like, nope. there's there's some truth to what Morpheus is saying yep. about him. Um, and then, yeah, then we cut to, I believe, the rave because, yeah, that scene happens before the rave scene, then we cut to the rave scene, and then Neo being woken up by Roy Jones Jr.'s character and giving him the information, telling him that they need to go see the Oracle. Uh, we then see Commander Lennox storm into Council Councilman Hammond's chambers, and Commander Locke's like... I just got word you gave the Nebuchadnezzar clearance to leave. No, they don't leave yet because there's another scene between Hammond and Neo. Because Neo like goes out and he tells him about Zion and how like it's built close close to the Earth's core and stuff like that to keep the heat and stuff. But he's like, "Oh, you're having trouble sleeping." Yeah, I don't Hammond, remember the scene. Hammond is saying it to Neo, like, oh, you're having trouble sleeping? And he's like, yeah, like, I can't sleep. And he's like, well, that's good. Why is it good? Well, that means you're still human. <laughs> okay. You don't remember that? No, I don't remember the scene yeah. at all. But the uh, the idea of, like, you not sleeping means you're still human. But he was an insomniac in the Matrix. Well, right. But what he's saying is, like, the fact that he is somehow connected to the matrix and he is the one like the fact that he's having trouble sleeping oh yeah means also, that he is still yeah they also make the comparison human. like um of the idea of machines attacking us but also us using machines to help us yeah, it's ironic that live and all that and again neo makes the case low he's like well these machines we can shut down and uh, the councilman's like, yes, we can shut them down. And we see everything just fucking fall apart after that. 
And so Neo comes to the conclusion, like, we need machines as much as they need us. And the councilman's like, yeah, that's pretty much it. If we would just work in unison with one another. Okay, I'm just going to leave it. I don't want to ruin anything for Resurrections. But th- th- that idea plays into what happens. In re- it doesn't... I- I'm just going to stop right there, Ryan. I'm not going to fucking give anything else out. Just know that there's a kernel of what that scene inhabits in the new movie. Um, anyway... So yeah, that ha- that scene happens just moments before uh, they get word that the Oracle wants to see them. Um, the, Nebuchadnezzar gets back into like the sewers of like the old city, lands into somewhere where it's at broadcast level. Um, they jack into the Matrix, and all we see, oh, the only person that gets into the Matrix is Neo, because all we see is like him in like some sort of like Asian market. Yeah, and we just see people doing their own thing within the market. He enters into like some sort of like. Tea house. Tea house. And sitting there, cross-legged. On a table. On a table is Seraph. Seraph. And we see Morpheus, or not Morpheus, but Neo's point of view of the Matrix. We see him with all the code. But Seraph is in like, he's in Matrix code, but it's a golden code. Like, there's something special. And I made the claim last week that Seraph is a login screen, which we'll get to it here in a bit, but everything in the Matrix that is helping Neo is a program of some sort. Like, the Oracle is like a like a predictable algorithm. Like she can uh, figure out what uh, it's almost like, um, like the algorithm with Newsly where it tries to tailor its experience to what you, what your interests are. Kind of. That's kind of what the Oracle is. We kind of get into that here. And that's, and that's what happens with Seraph. That's why I say he's the login screen because Seraph immediately is like, who are you? All right. I'm sorry about this and starts fighting Neo. And that is the capture are you human yeah. tests with any like respectable pick, login pick the site? Stop lot, pick all the pictures. What are of all the buses or bicycles or some shit? That's pick every picture that has a tire. That is what's happening with Neo right here. Is he's fighting Seraph. They get to a point where it looks like Neo's about to kick Seraph's ass, and Seraph's like, "All right, stop." And Seraph's like, or uh, Neo's like, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "I just needed to see if you were who you say you were." And he's like, "Now we can go see the Oracle." So. It's very much that he's a login screen, Seraph yeah. is. Um, but yeah, we see Seraph whip out a coin, or not coin, but a, a, key. a key, Jesus Christ, a key, and he inserts it into the door, and we hear just the tumblers unlock, and something happened, and we open it up, and it's this, this white hallway with like green doors all around them. It's some sort of like subroutine, like back like door. Back, yeah, back door program. access. Neo asks him, like, what is this? I've never seen this before. And Seraph is like, it's a backdoor program, a subroutine for you can get, if depending on the key you have, you can get into pretty much anywhere that you could think of. Um, and they get to another nearby door. He puts in the key, the similar key that he has, opens it. And right before he opens it, um, Neo asks Seraph, he's like, are you a program? And Seraph is like, yes, I am. And Neo's like, what type of program are you? And he's like, I protect what needs to be protected. And then he opens up the door. And they're in like a concrete park of some sort. We see swings and teeter-totters nearby, but also a woman on a bench. We just see the back of her head. Uh, presumably, this is the Oracle. And as Neo gets closer, we then find out it is the actual Oracle. And she's just smiling up at Neo. He's like, look at you. You turn out all right, didn't you? And she offers Neo a seat, and Neo, in of act of defiance, is like, "No, maybe I'll stand." stand. <laughs> and 
And then he sits down. Yeah, she's like, all right, suit yourself. And then he sits down. And he's like, I wanted to sit. I decided I wanted to sit. And she's like, of course you did. And the long and short of this conversation, I really like this conversation, is she tells, and, and Neo's having a bit of an issue with it. He's like, if all my choices are already predetermined, then what's the point of choice? And she's like, that's not the point of all this. It's, yes, the idea of choices is there, and we already know you've made those choices, but that's not the point. The point is why you made those choices. Well, she, that's yeah, what you have says, to figure out. She says something about, like, you having trouble sleeping, and he's like... I'm having these visions of the future type thing. And she's like, well, that makes sense because you've unlocked some of your power. You have the sight. He's like, well, why can't I see what happens to me? And she goes, we can't see past the choices that you don't understand. Right. And it's not, it's not about like your choice. It's the philosophical movie. Yeah. This whole movie kind of like focuses on choice and how like, you don't really make choices or you've already made every choice that you're going to make. It's just coming to a place where you understand why, why? you made that choice. Yes. Which depending on the type of person, yeah, you can very much see that if you're presented with something, you already, we are constantly coming up with scenarios in our heads about the zombie apocalypse or if an intruder comes into your home and how you would react to those certain things. So you're constantly making decisions before you even have to make those decisions. Um, and then, like you just said, her argument is like why you need to understand why you made those decisions. Um, and I, they end the conversation, and she basically tells him, like, you need to go see the Keymaster. And he's being held by someone named the v- Merovingian. No, she says that he needs to go to the source. Oh, that's right. Um, that's right, But yeah, yeah. to get to the source, he needs the Keymaker. And he also says, like, right at the beginning of this, like, so I met Seraph. She's like, yeah. She's like, he's a program. So you're a program. So yeah. how can I trust you? And yeah. she's like, well, I mean, you you can or you can't, but that doesn't change the fact that like, it is what Yeah, there it are is. programs all around you helping you. And the really good ones, the ones that are doing their jobs, you don't see. It's the other ones that you constantly hear about. Neo's like, what are you talking about? I've never heard about any like errant programs running all over the place. And she's like, yeah, you have. Anytime anybody talked about ghosts... Or werewolves or vampires, which she's foreshadowing what happens later on in the movie with the characters of from like the Merovingians, yeah. henchmen or whatever the fuck. Um, and she, yeah, she tells him like, look, in order to get to the source to find out uh, what you need to do and go, basically just open your mind up even further. You need to go to the source, and in order to do that, you need the keymaker, and the keymaker is being held by the Merovingian. And uh, you need to go see him at this time and place. She hands him a piece of paper and go there and try to convince him to let you have the key maker. Seraph shows up and says, we need to go. Yeah, I forget what. She, she, she buttons up the scene with something. I can't remember exactly. I don't remember. Either way. Yeah, Seraph tells her we need to go. She says, bye, Neo. And right when they exit the entire park through another one of those backdoor programs, immediately, bam, we see footsteps walking behind Neo, walking up to Neo. And it's Agent Smith. And he's like, I want to thank you, Neo, because of what you did. You freed me. 
I watched you die, Mr. Anderson. Or no, he doesn't call him. He never calls him fucking Neil. He calls him Mr. Mr. Anderson, Anderson the entire time. And he's like, because of you, I I watched you die. You, But for some reason, miraculously, you came, you popped back up and destroyed me. And because of that, you somehow imprinted on me and uh, gave me these uh, this new purpose. And I wrote down what he says later on. He's like, oh, and without purpose, we would not exist. It is purpose that created us. And each line is introducing a new Agent, Agent Smith. So like by the end of this, there's like 12 Agent Smiths all around Neo. Uh, he says, without purpose, we would not exist. It is purpose that created us, purpose that connects us, purpose that pulls us out, pulls us, that guides us, that drives us. It is purpose that defines purpose, that binds us. We are here of, because of you. And I think he said something else. I can't, I'm uh, blanking well, on it. Um, he he says that um, that he was a bad a bad whittle program. Yes, because after he got blown up, yeah. instead of returning to the source. Yeah, we'll find out more about it in the next movie. But programs, once they're done being used, they're supposed to return to the source. And sometimes programs don't, and they are called exiles. So they go and decide to live their life as whatever the fuck they wanted to. But it's a quiet life. They don't do anything. They just live out the rest of their life as something, whatever the fuck they want. They just don't disrupt the system. That's their choice. That's what they wanted to do. Right. And some programs want to do that, and some most programs don't, and they return to the source. And that's what Neo, or that's what Agent Smith is correct, uh, congratulating uh, Neo for Neo giving him. for giving him a way besides returning to the source. Uh-huh. To- and we should also mention, like, uh, Agent Smith is basically like a, worm uh like a malware virus yeah kind because of. he self-replicates because we'll see later on like he's just finding new people finding agents and just in, inserting himself into them and just replicating him and that's what a lot of like malware where worm viruses in a computer does it like goes in destroys something replicates itself and repeats and that's pretty yeah. much what agent smith is doing throughout this entire matrix um, and at the end of uh, Agent Smith's uh, monologue, he's basically telling Neo or Mr. Anderson, like, look, you're going to join me. And then plunges his hand into Neo. And we see that silver thing starting to envelop Neo all over. Uh, we cut to like on the Nebuchadnezzar and they're watching this. And they're like, what the fuck is going on? And right away, well, not right away. We see it almost and completely encase Neo all over the place. And then right before it completely solidifies, we then see it just starting to back off, back off, and just basically go back to the point of where it entered into Neo. And then Neo pushes... Uh, you see Neo is like pulling Agent Smith's hand out of right. his chest. And right at the last second, or yeah, right at the last second, right when he pulls him out completely, he pushes him away. And then this is where the big park scene, fight scene happens. And like I said, the majority of this scene... Is fun to watch, and it's interesting. It goes all to watch. fucking like kung fu hustle. Uh. Yes, it's very much that, and it can be absurd at times, but for the most part, it is interesting to watch. And Neo's just battling them all, just taking out all of them all at the same time. Like they all start attacking him at certain angles, uh, and it's fun to watch. We see him at one point grab like a pole. And obviously, a lot of these action scenes, I'll describe them as best as possible, but if you haven't watched this movie or you need a refresher, 
go watch these scenes. They are fun to watch. At the very least, they are yeah. fun to watch. The fight scenes are all pretty well choreographed. The And it's basically it, par for the course type uh, kung fu type scenes where you have Neo taking on multiple guys. If you've seen any Bruce Lee movie, it's very influenced by a Bruce Lee movie where everything's just coming at him real quick and he's able to dispatch uh, different agents uh, all at the same time. Uh, the fight uh, basically continues. We see a random woman walk into the park and see this massive fight happening. And she sees it. And then we see her just like into an agent. Um, and right when she does, we see the agent says, I found him. And then we see a hand pull him and turn him around. And there's another agent Smith looking at him. And just base before the agent can even, or no, the agent says you, and then Agent Smith plunges his hand into him, and we see the agent turn into Agent Smith. He says, yes, me, 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 me. me. The fight con- we see them run into the fight. The fight continues. It, it, and I, as it continues, more and more Agent Smiths, as he's besting all of the opponents yes. he's facing, more and more Agent Smiths are coming in. Yep. Uh, and they get a few good hits on Neo a few times. Like we see him get punched in the face and him go careening back into like a nearby bench. Neo gets out of it real fucking quickly. And then, uh, Neo gets kicked into like a nearby wall, slams into the wall, drops to the ground and then sees a pole, just a singular pole. It's cemented into the ground. Don't know what it was for. Tetherball. On the top of steps. Like there are steps nearby. So Giants like you can play with our children. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, he grabs the pole, rips it out of the ground. There's still a chunk of concrete to it. One Agent Smith r- runs up to him. He spins around, hits the guy in the chest, square in the fucking chest with the end of the pipe with the concrete on it. It shatters. And then we just see Neo with uh, a pole just start taking out guys left and right. Tends to get a bit cartoony at this point. Um, Because everything else before this point is just a lot of wire work, maybe hints of like touch-ups here and there. We see like a few faces. Uh, For this scene, they had a bunch of uh, like extras that look similar to Hugo Weaving. Um, They had a few of them put on masks that look like Hugo Weaving's face, but uh, a lot of them just didn't. So they would either alter them in post or because they were far enough away, it just didn't matter. Right. and yeah, the, like I said, the, this is where the uh, scene starts to get a bit cartoony because right when the scene starts up, we see Neo pop up into the air, spinning in the air with a pole in his hand. The, his coat starts like going into the wind. Like, I, but it's very poorly done. CGI. Like the, te- the textures look odd. The skin looks rubbery. He just looks not good. Like, like the, the 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 prequel series, the Star Wars prequel movies. Like those C- the CGI in those movies holds up pretty decently. I mean, you could see if you know what you're looking for, you can see the seams or the 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 textures look a little off, but not as bad as this movie. I mean, even in 2003, it didn't look right. Right. So, it and it looks so cartoony in this movie. I, even with the the high def TV I've got, it just looked even worse. And we can you can definitely tell the scenes because it, it cuts in between of the CGI scenes and Neo because at one point Neo gets like grabbed over his chest and it gets even more cartoony because we we see one agent Smith say we need more and we just see even like hundreds of them just start barreling into the park and whenever they grab Neo by the back like over and like crouch over on top of him. They just all an just Agent start Smith dogpile. Dogpiling onto him. I don't remember if you remember any of this, but there's a the, the VMAs. 
whenever this movie came out, they did like sh- like a short skit in between the, like certain scenes of the Matrix. One of the scenes is the dog pile scene. I can't remember who who's playing in it and who's uh, playing Neo and all that. But we see the dog pile happen, and then we cut to inside the scrum of the dog pile, and we just see someone say, "What Willie, Mister Anderson?" He puts his finger in his mouth and then into Neo's ear, and then we see like Neo like get out of the scrum and everything. I don't know why it always stuck with me. I think it was the VMAs. It may have been something fucking else. Uh, but yeah, that doesn't happen in this movie. But Neo. Uh, we hear uh, Agent Smith saying, I am inevitable, Mr. Anderson, or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Neo's having none of it. Uh, he bursts out of the uh, dog pile, throwing all the agents all over the fucking well, place. Well, I think that this is also supposed to um, highlight the fact that he's still human because he's exhausted at this point. Like, yes. He's tired of fighting, and so he extricates himself from the situation yep uh and as he uh, all these agents start to like like get thrown into the air away from him he grabs one and then just starts spinning in place and just knocking other agents with this agent that he has by the ankle he releases the agent at the last second of them spinning and as he uh releases the agent the agent knocks into other agents and we just hear bowling pins oh yeah bowling pin sounds Whatever. I guess at this point, because of the cartooniness of the way the CGI works, sure, we'll have stupid sounds starting to happen as well. Uh, right when the, that happens, we see Neo charge up, and we see the ground ripple, ripple up around him, and he pops up into the air like he's done several times already. The scene ends with just all the agents just like looking at one another like, oh, all right. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, they just watch him go, and then they just meander away. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I guess go make more copies of myself. Right. Um, we then cut until we can build until we can build a ladder by standing on each other's shoulders to get up that high. Was, <laughs> we can't really do much. So. Right. Uh, we then cut to Neo, Morpheus, and Trinity all walking up to the, like this big ass tower. Um, they get into an elevator, and they have several people behind them trying to get on their el- the elevator with them, and they just look at them. Oh, Neo, Trinity, and Morpheus just look at them and just shake their heads. No. All the people don't get on the elevator with them, and they start going up the tower. Um, and Morpheus right away is like, what do you see, Neo? And Neo, obviously, because he can see everything in the Matrix code, he's like, uh, there are several floors here, and all of them are wired to explode. And Neo, uh, Trinity's like, great. Um, they get to the main floor that they need to go to, and it's the Merovingian's um, lair. Lair, I guess. And it's just like this big restaurant in this tower. Because we just see like business suit type men yeah. uh, having it's conversations. Like a, like a high scale restaurant. Yeah. Before Neo gets to the Merovingian, we see uh, somebody being escorted away. From the Merovingian by gunpoint. We're not sure who. We'll find out in the next movie who this person is. And what he was doing there. They get up to the Merovingian. And he's like, look, I was... The long and short of it is, like, I was expecting you guys to be here. And here you are. Cause and effect or some shit like that. He goes on to... He goes on to say that he uh, has taught himself so many languages. But uh, French he's always loved the most. And he says, like, a diatribe of a bunch of French words. 
And I'm going to try to repeat what he says. It rolls off the tongue. Because he then says it later on whenever he's cursing his wife for betraying him. He says, Nom di du di putain di bordel di merde di salapere di conard and the uh, mere. I, I, I don't speak French. I've never learned French. Don't know how to pronounce it. Don't know the cadence of any of it. But what he's saying in French is goddamn whore, filthy shit, house jerk bugger of your mother. <laughs> house jerk bugger of your bugger? <laughs> uh, and he's telling Neo, he's like, look, I love the French language. It's like wiping your ass with silk. And Neo's like, look, that's all well and good, but we're here for the keymaker. I don't give a fuck. You got the keymaker, we want him. And the Merovingian is like, no, that ain't happening. Like, look, Neil, you and I both understand the matrix. We understand cause and effect, causality. Like, look, over here, there's this woman ordering dessert. It gets weirdly sexual really fucking quickly, and he's explaining everything in his French accent, how he uh, invented a code, and in this code, it has the ability to make her wet, I guess. Because that's what happens in this scene. Make her orgasm. And with each you, line of code. You can see it, can't you, Neil? The heat that emanates as she she doesn't understand why there's a flutter. And, duh, 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 duh. and we see her like starting to breathe heavier and heavier. Like she's about to fucking come herself. She takes a bite of this chocolate cake, starts chewing on it, and then she just starts like petting the tablecloth, like, oh, yeah. God, I need to keep myself composed. Because she's at a table with, like, three other men. Uh, it's a very stark contrast because they're on, like, gray, dark suits. But she's in, like, this, like... Gold dress? No, it's, like, a pale pink. Oh, she's yeah. She's blonde and with a pale pink dress. Very tight. And it, it's just a... She stands out very... It's almost like the woman in the red dress. Yeah. Um, she stands out 100%. Um, and as the Merovingian is explaining everything of her getting hot and bothered at this scene, he uh, ends Me, it with, And Neo can see... Yeah. Like, because he can see in the code, like, all of the other code around yes. is and, and, in, in the green color, and yes. it starts turning gold and, like, glows brighter and brighter and brighter as she gets closer and yeah, closer. Yeah, because the camera in... Well, we have Neo's point of view of the code. The camera pulls into her crotch. Yep. And we just see, like, this explosion of, like, Matrix caricatures as uh, the Merovingian finishes fucking monologue. And then he says, no, I cannot give you the keymaker. And he says, you see, there's only one constant, one universal. It is the only real truth, causality. Action, reaction, cause and effect. And he basically tells Neo, like, there's been... Uh, he vaguely mentions that there have been other The Ones before. And because of that, he's now an old program in exile, if you will, or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And so he's basically telling Neo to go fuck himself. You are not the first person asking for the keymaker. You're not going to be the last. I don't give a shit. Get out of here. And uh, as he gets up to leave, uh, we see Monica Bellucci right beside him as well. Uh, he says, this is my wife, Persephone, which is more along the lines of like a Greek mythology uh, aspect because he's very yeah. much like a Hades type character. Yeah. Because even like... Uh, the idea of Tartarus, of uh, hell in myth, uh, myth uh, in uh, Roman mythology, 
It's very much what um, the Merovingian does. He yeah. ushers other programs, if they so wish it, to not go back to the source, but be entered into the Matrix to do their own thing. And the, we'll get to it when we get to the next movie of like the river sticks and who the train man is and all that. It's very much tied into like yeah. Roman mythology and shit like that. But yeah, the Merovingian is like, no, go fuck yourself. He gets up to leave. And he, Persephone is like, where are you going, my love? And he's like, cause and effect. I drank a lot of wine. I drank too much wine. I, I must, must take piss. a piss. Uh, and the way he says piss just irks me for whatever piss. reason. He walks away, and we see several of his henchmen just walk up behind Neo, Trinity, and Morpheus. And one guy is about to touch Trinity on the shoulder, and she's like, you touch me with that hand, and I'll make sure you never touch anything for the rest of your fucking life. And he doesn't. They get up, walk away, and they're just watching them the the entire time. They get onto the elevator. We see the the twins are now with them, watching them get on the elevator. The one twin basically like blows a kiss at them as the elevator door closes. Neo says, fuck, and uh, Morpheus is like, Neo, did the Oracle say anything else? He's like, no, she just told us to come here and ask for the key maker. And Trinity's like, what do we do now? And Morpheus is like... Not much. What happened happened for a reason. There's nothing else that we could have done to make that happen any different. Right. And as uh, the conversation ends, ding, the elevator doors open, and on the other side is Persephone, and she says, follow me. Morpheus smirks as they get ushered into a nearby bathroom by Persephone, and Persephone is like, oh, his fucking monologues, constantly droning on and on and on and on about fucking causality. It makes a girl go insane. Um, She's like, I could take you to the keymaker, but... I need something from you. And Neo is like, all right, what do you need? A kiss. Yes. And she's like, I need you to give me a kiss. I need you to make me feel like Trinity fucking feels. Uh, and Trinity's having none of this. <laughs> Trinity's just, the fuck do you say? <laughs> yes. Like, I would have preferred you say deja vu. <laughs> right? Um, and she basically pulls up out of her gun and points it at Persephone. And she's like, this ain't fucking happening. No fucking way. Morpheus tells Trinity to put it away. Trinity does. And then Neo, he's like, all right, fine. I do this. She'll take us to the keymaker. She's like, right away. And if I don't, she can shoot me. And we just see, like, Trinity, like, all right, that sounds like a good idea. She doesn't say this, but she makes, like, a gesture, like, all right, I'm I'm all for this. Um, uh, Neo walks up to her. In the first attempt, he doesn't do much. He just walks up, kisses her for a couple seconds, and then backs away. And she's like, all right, I've had enough, and starts to walk away. And then Neo's like, no, no, wait. Takes off his sunglasses, looks at her in the eyes, leans in, and kisses her passionately. And they kiss for, uh, like, five to eight seconds. And as they release, Neo like looks off in the distance. Persephone looks over Neo's sh- shoulder at tr- Trinity and says, you are a very lucky woman. Um, she walks out. They follow her. Neo puts on his glasses and just basically just sulks out of the room past Trinity and Morpheus. Uh, and Persephone just escorts them through like the main like compound of this restaurant And she closes a set of doors, takes out a key, puts it into the lock, opens the doors, and now they are in their, like, mountainside mansion, Mansion. I guess. Because, yeah, they walk in, close the doors behind them, and get escorted into a nearby room. Uh, And uh, Persephone is like, look, these are two of my husband's men. They're old programs. They're uh, dumb as shit. I don't remember much. 
But they're notoriously hard to kill. Yes. And she mentions, uh, do you know any other person that puts silver in their all their guns? And she pulls out her gun, fires into the uh, nearby program, killing him instantly. Thus indicating that because of these old programs and because of what Oracle said earlier, like old programs being these exiled, these guys are either werewolves or vampires. They don't really specify what they are. I'm assuming vampires because of the movie that they have on. I think it's a vampire movie. I don't know. I don't remember. Because they were just landing there until Persephone comes in with the three of them. Either way, she looks at the other guy, points the gun at her, and she's like, you can either stand there and do nothing, or you can run and tell my husband of what I just did. He runs off. Uh, Persephone shows them into a nearby dungeon. They walk in. Uh, There's keys everywhere yeah, with a little they, Asian man sitting over a key cutting wheel. Yeah, the, uh, lining the entire, all the walls are just a sea of fucking keys for fucking everything, I guess. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, he's finishing up a key. He's like, I knew you'd be coming for me. <laughs> Takes out the key that he's been working on, blows it off. He's like, all right, let's go. And he has keys all over him as well. Just lining every section of like every, his, his chest. Everywhere there could be a key, there's a key. Right. Everywhere there could be a key, there's like four keys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, they start walking out of the compound. And right when they do, here comes the Merovingian with all of his men walking through the main corridor. And Merovingian is just cursing out Persephone in French, from what I said. You mother so, house, yeah, whatever. Yeah. He says in French, goddamn whore, filthy shit house jerk, bugger of your mother, in French. <laughs> um, and she's like, look, I did this because of what you were just doing with that girl and because of the lipstick you have on your face. And the Merovingian is like, what lipstick? What are you talking about? He wipes, wipes out his mouth. He's like, look, no lipstick. And Persephone's like, he, she wasn't kissing your, your mouth, my dear. And thus indicating that... Uh, the, she sucked girl. his dick! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she got some chocolate cake and some dick! <laughs> uh, and uh, Merovingian's like, oh, what the fuck ever. She walks away and he says this woman's going to be the death of me or some shit like that. Neo tells them to Neo tells uh, Morpheus and Trinity because the keymaker's like, no, I can't go back. He runs. Neo tells Morpheus and Trinity, go after him. I'll handle them. The Merovingian doesn't like that at all. He's like, oh, you'll handle us. You'll handle us. All right. How about this? Neo and Trinity run away. All of Morpheus and Trinity. Yes, Morpheus and Trinity run away after the keymaker. All of the Merovingian's men step forward and then just unload all their guns. No, not all of them. Yeah, all of them. No, the twins have already left. Oh, that's right, because they go after the keymaker. And yeah, the the twins go to follow the keymaker and uh, Neo goes to take a swing. Or no, he doesn't swing at him. They just, no, not yet. as, As they leave, they like turn into ghosts and float into the floor. Yeah, yeah, just following after the keymaker. And yeah, this is where the rest of the men come step forward and unload all their guns. Neo just pulls up his hand, and we just see all the bullets stop like six inches from Neo. I'm assuming they empty their guns. Yeah. Because there's a shit ton of bullets in front of him. He just lowers his hands, all of them drop to the ground. I think the Merovingian says, interesting. And then we just get another fight scene. And none of this, I don't believe, is CGI. Yeah. Or if it is, they didn't cheap out on the CGI like with the previous fight scene. It all seems to be wire work and all like practical like fighting yeah. and all that shit. 
actual choreography. Yes. And and we get this fight scene. Uh, we it, it, The first half of the fight scene is th- just them grabbing all swords because the walls are lined with like swords and shields from like different eras yep, of, of fighter. Just basically any type of handheld weapon that yes. you could have uh all those guys grab all like their own individual weapons and just start fighting neo and he's right away just dodging all the attacks like causing other men to attack other men with their weapons and then at one point uh, at the midsection of this fight we see neo just the guy swings like this big ass sword towards neo neo stops it with his like the blade comes up against the uh, basically makes like a cross with the sword in neo's hand neo stops the sword yeah in mid swing with his hand, and the Merovingian is just like he's only human. I'm like, no, he's not. That guy was in full swing, and he <laughs> stopped it. Humans can't fucking do that. Well, no, the Merovingian like you can see like all of his guards are getting like less and less robust in their attacks. Like they're all like, oh my God, we can't do anything to this guy. And then that guy hits him. And he knocks the dude away, but, but then there's, yeah, he has like there's a, a little cut. There's a little cut there, and it starts bleeding. And as soon as the Merovingian sees blood, he's like, "Oh, see, Arnold told us that if it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> right. So we can kill him. He's just a human. Go get him, get him." <laughs> yes. And then they're all like, "Okay, he's bleeding. Yes, I'll give you that." But and if you were to try to stop a full-on throated swing towards you, and you stop it with your hand, you would have no hand. It no, was just slice right the fuck I, through. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, the fight continues. Um, they start grabbing different implements. Neo jumps up to the nearby ledge and just telekinetically has size go to his hand. Just like force grabs yeah. size to his hand. And he just uh, starts working with them and starts uh, kicking the shit out of all these guys with these size. Um, and as this is, fight is happening, we see the keymaker going through... A room after room after room after room, just bursting through every door that he possibly can. With uh, shortly behind him, we see the twins, and behind all that is Trinity and Morpheus. Um, we cut back to Neo kicking more of the guy's ass, and now there are a few less guys as well. As the fight continues, Neo has bested a few of the guys. We then cut back to the keymaker being chased by everybody. Uh, in a hallway, Morpheus sees like a nearby samurai suit, grabs the samurai sword. And chases after them. The keymaker inserts a coin, or I don't know why I want to keep saying coin, coin. when referencing a key. But the keymaker inserts a key, unlocks the door, opens it, and it's a nearby parking garage, I guess. He enters it, and so does Morpheus and Neo. And right when they're about to close it, Morpheus and Morpheus and Trinity. Fucking hell. Uh, and as they're about to close it, one of the twins solidifies because they're ghosts this, this entire time. But he solidifies into a solid human and blocks them from closing off the door completely. Uh, Trinity unloads her gun into his arm, but it's not stopping. We hear one of the twins saying, can we move this along, please? As the other twin goes through the door into the other side, into the parking garage. Um, and we see Neo, or we see Trinity and Morpheus trying to deal with this twin. Um, they let go of the door. The other twin turns into a ghost goes and to heals like, heal himself. himself. The fight continues um, to the point where Morpheus uh, like uses the sword that's still in the sheath as just like a a weapon like the just hit them in the face with. Yeah. 
at one point the twins grab the sheath they pull out the sword and now it's just an unsheathed sword that morpheus is using at this point and he's just he's trying to use his gun that he has in one hand the samurai sword in the other so he's swiping at them they're going ghosty uh ghosty as he swipes at them and ghostish yeah uh and then he tries to fire guns they're still ghosts like they're they're just they don't really have to do much other than just go invisible as the gun or uh, samurai sword is used. Trinity says, because uh, we see the keymaker go into a nearby car. Morpheus says, Trinity, follow him. She jumps in the car as well. And as the fight, it looks like Morpheus is about to be bested by the twins. The car comes up. Morpheus rolls off over the hood of the car, unfurl, or uh, unloads a bunch of bullets onto the twins, gets in the car. The car peels out completely. We then see the fight with Neo and all the henchmen. And uh, Neo, no other way to describe it other than just Neo basically pommels a guy's dick with like a big spiky stick. Yeah. Um, Because the uh, fight fight crescendos into like this one guy that's all in white um, getting his ass handed to him. Uh, Neo taking like this big stick with like this spiky pineapple on it. And he just slams it into the guy's dick, killing him instantly. Uh, the Merovingian, whenever he watches the last guy die, he's like, oh, God, that fucking sucked. And then he's like, the, just like your predecessors before you, you will not be the last person I have to deal with or some shit like that. And he walks away, opening up the uh, door that he walked through into the kitchen of the restaurant. Neo's like, oh, shit, I need to get back over there or I'm going to be far away from everybody. He starts booking it towards the door. The door closes before he can uh, even get through it. He opens the door, and now all he sees is mountains. And he's like, shit. We then cut to uh, Link telling Morpheus and Trinity uh, that they need to get onto the freeway in order to get where they need to go. The Yeah, the closest exit or whatever is... On a freeway. To, to get there is to get on the freeway as quickly as possible. I, there's a small scene we forgot to mention. Uh, before we meet up with Morpheus, Neo, and Trinity, before they go see the Merovingian, is the council is meeting with Commander Locke and asking, the council is asking, have they heard word from Morpheus and his crew? And Commander Locke is like, no, we haven't heard a thing. And the council's like, is there anybody that would volunteer to go into the Matrix to try to find them and help them in any manner that they need? And uh, we we see Cornell West, a famous fucking professor from Harvard, in this scene. Um, they call him uh, in the script. They call him Councilman West. He's this movie's a lot about philosophy and what it means to be human and the choices that we make. And Cornell West is a professor of philosophy. Yep. So having him in the scene and being a huge philosophy nerd that I know, I was like, this is a huge fucking get. This is amazing. And Cornell West is doing amazing work here. He's not an actor. He's just a professor of fucking philosophy. And he does amazing work on this scene. Because he basically tells them, like, Commander Locke, you may not believe in what we believe in, but we believe that it is necessary for Neo to do what he needs to do. Right. So we are asking for any volunteers to go and help the Nebuchadnezzar and its crew. And initially we have, what's his name? The commander of the Vigilant stand up. He's like, we will help the Nebuchadnezzar. And um, they ask, if there is there another uh, team that can go and help them as well? No, Initially no one answers. And then uh, 
Niobe, commander of the Logos, is like, I will help them. Captain Niobe of the Logos. Um, and Locke's like, the fuck you say? Yes, because Niobe and Commander Locke are a thing. And I think, uh, and they also mentioned like in earlier scenes, like that's the reason why Commander Locke and Morpheus have a bit of animosity towards one another. Besides the uh, the surface stuff of Morpheus not listening to Commander Locke, but Morpheus and Niobe were a thing at one point. So there's like a lovers triangle going yep. on between Morpheus, Neo, or Morpheus, Commander Locke, and Niobe. Um, and yeah, this that scene happened before they go see the Merovingian. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Trinity, Morpheus, and the Keymaker are barreling through the city onto the freeway. They're now being chased by the twins in a, in a, in a SUV, SUV and now the agents in a cop car as well. Is it Link that's like, is it Link or Trinity that says, like, you always, I think it's Trinity. No, it's Link. No, it is Trinity. You always told me that getting on the highway during one of these incidences was like suicide. And he's like, yes, I did. I did tell you that. Let me hope I was, or let's I hope, hope I, I was, was wrong. wrong. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they get onto the highway and it's just like, this whole sequence is fucking good. Like, a Majority of this movie I like, but the way they execute some of it is just mm. insane. This whole highway sequence is fucking amazing. So we see them just like bobbing and weaving throughout traffic as they are trying to get away from the agents and the twins as well. Yeah. Uh, we see one of the twins like ghost out of the vehicle and then towards the car that Trinity is driving and, go and solidifies into their car inside their car and tries to grab the key maker and then morpheus is having none of it so he's basically trying to take out the the this twin uh we see them he's scuffle using, for a bit he's using like a straight razor the twin weapon. is yeah yeah and so they both have like straight razors i guess he starts trying to use it on morpheus and whenever it's not working on morpheus he tries to use it on twin trinity she's blocking it left or right on twinity yeah <laughs> um we see uh the well, the twin in the car uh, best Morpheus in the fight for a bit, and it looks like Morpheus is about to get his uh, throat slit. Uh, he grabs the nearby seatbelt and like wraps it around the twin's neck. The twin slices it away, and then Morpheus takes the end of the seatbelt and just starts whipping the twin in the face with it. Like, because <laughs> uh, 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 uh. the twin tries to continue to fight Morpheus, but he just keeps... Just whipping him right in the face. Eventually, the twin's like, fuck this. What are you fucking doing? And then goes after Trinity or the Keymaker at some point as well. I don't remember exactly how, but he goes back to ghost form, and that's how he like exits. Oh, so yeah, the fight uh, ends with Morpheus grabbing the samurai sword and trying to plunge it in through the seat, uh, the, Mor the seat that Morpheus is in, through the seat to the ghost, or to the twin. He goes out of it before he's able to be stabbed. Uh, he says, whenever he turns into a ghost, he is just standing on the road because he fell through the, the car, car. Yeah, and he's like looking behind him, waiting, and then he like jumps up into the air, turns into a ghost, and like rejoins. Yes, his he, brother, his twin, into the SUV, and the the twin that just landed back into the SUV is like, we are getting annoyed. Yeah, now we're getting annoyed or something like that. And the that. other twin is like, yes, we are. Uh, and then they, uh, the chasing continues. What is it? Constrenda. We see the agents trying to like just unload weapons at them. They're dodging and weaving through the traffic as well. Uh, at one point, a tire is taken out by the agents, but Trinity just floors it completely on like this broken-ass wheel. 
And uh, they get up onto an on-ramp because the twins are now chasing after them close by, firing their weapons. They get onto an on-ramp. They stop the car. Like, Trinity and the Keymaker are, like, are, like hidden close by as Morpheus stands between the busted-ass car that they were just driving and the oncoming twins. Uh, he, and he has the samurai sword in his one hand and the gun in the other. He rolls out to the side and just slices through the SUV, I guess, with the a samurai sword as he like you know rolls out of the way through, through like the passenger side, like the whole the whole passenger side, and blows out both of the tires. Yeah, and he, which causes the car to flip in the opposite direction. Right, and then he uh, in slow, super slow yeah, mo, as like, the undercarriage turns, of the car. Turns around and fires at the gas tank, blowing it up. The uh, the ghost twins are like trying blown to, up, trying to climb out of yeah of the, the SUV. And uh, as it blows up, they turn into their ghost forms and like are never seen get, again. Get thrown up into the air and yeah, are never seen again. I have no. We, Maybe they're alive, maybe they're not. Don't know. Because all we see, yeah, they basically like barrel into the camera view as they ghost and all the flames and everything come across the entire uh, camera, uh, I guess, dying. Uh, We then see... Being uh, taken out of the fight, something like that. Oh, so yeah, Trinity and the Keymaker don't hide nearby. Morpheus tells Trinity, like, you need to get him out of here. And then Trinity, at that same moment, Trinity sees... Uh, a semi with a bunch of like crotch rockets strapped to it. And they jump onto that as Morpheus deals with the twins. Um, she hops onto the bike uh, because the key maker's got a key for the bike, apparently, with all He's his keys. He's got a key for everything. I guess. Um, because story reasons. Right. Or because that's literally all he's done since he was kidnapped by the Merovingian. It's just make so keys. he has... Yeah, he has keys for everything, everything because he's made so many. So now Trinity has on a bike. She gets off the semi by just like brrrm, right off the fucking semi bed. Now she's weaving, bobbing, weaving through traffic on this uh, motorcycle, the cross rocket, as well as being chased by agents as well. And she's just trying to avoid them completely. At one point, Morpheus ends up on a semi trailer for some reason. Yeah. But he ends up on it, and he sees Trinity coming towards him. He impale or like Trinity turns the vehicle or turns her uh, bike around, and she just starts weaving through traffic towards traffic. Yeah, and she sees Morpheus on the bed of this truck for whatever reason. I can't remember why he gets onto the bed, but he is on the bed because he's not fighting the agent just yet. He fights him here in a bit. Oh, she just like to try to draw away some of the heat. Yeah, she turns, turns around. He gets up on top to grab the keymaker. I guess uh, because yeah, that's what he does. He uh, uh, impales the samurai sword into like the the van, the trailer for this semi, and steps on the samurai sword. Yeah, on the side of the. And there are two semis next to each other. So he basically stands on the samurai sword and then arches his way over to the other one, which has like right. slats in it for him to like put his foot on. Uh, Trinity goes in between the two semis. The keymaker raises his hand up. He grabs the keymaker and then, with like inertia, throws the keymaker up into the air. And I guess 
because of story reasons, the keymaker lands on the correct trailer. <laughs> he does, but he like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a an audible like <laughs> <laughs> as he lands. <laughs> um, and now Morpheus gets onto the trailer. Uh, the the keymaker's on, and he basically tells the keymaker just hold on. Um, and right when that happens, we hear a bunch of agents talking to one another, and the third agent sees where he needs to go. He's on another overpass nearby, sees Morpheus in the Keymaker on this trailer, and then he just launches onto the trailer as well. He's like, oh, I see him. He's got the exile with him yeah. or something like that. Um, and then it's just the fight scene. We see Trinity like peel off and try to absorb some of the heat to try to get away from Morpheus and all in this entire highway. She basically gets out because we see her yeah. later on. Well, exit they, the- they tell her or like they're talking. They're like, should we pursue her? And the agents are like, no, the exile is the priority target yeah. or whatever. So they're basically like, ah, just fuck her. Let her go. Yeah. She's of no importance. Uh, and we see her later on exit the Matrix and with and is now with Link and everything. So, yeah, Morpheus but is we fighting also, the we agent. We also get, uh, I'm not sure exactly where the scene is. Because it like cuts back to Neo, and Neo calls Link. Yes, and he's like, "Link, where are they?" And he's like, "They're on the highway." And he's like, "Fuck, the highways are dangerous because there's so many people that can turn into agents. Like, how can I get there?" And he's like, "Dude, you're not gonna believe this, but you're in the mountains." <laughs> and Neo's like, "Yeah." No shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're on the highway. Which high like which direction from me? Like cardinal direction. North, south, east, west. What way do I have to go? Right. And I think he says like west or whatever. Something like, like that. They're five hundred miles away from you. Yeah. Uh and then we cut to like Morpheus fighting and the he, agent. He like fucking Okay. Yeah, does a Superman thing. Uh, Morpheus is fighting the agent, and Morpheus is holding his own at this point. Because remember, in the last movie, they were always told if they see an agent, run. Not in this movie so much. Morpheus is holding his own with the agent. They're fighting back and forth. Uh, At one point, the agent tosses Morpheus close to uh, the edge, and Morpheus flips over and lands on his hands at the edge of the trailer and like balances himself. Whatever. Uh, he flips over back onto the trailer. They fight a bit more. He basically kicks Morpheus to the edge of the trailer again. Morpheus looks down and sees the samurai sword nearby. The agent comes up to him. Morpheus like spins up and like slices the agent um, across the chest, cutting only the necktie that the agent has. The agent pulls that away, and then they start fighting again. And it, the samurai sword isn't in play for very much longer. No, it gets knocked off the trailer, I think. No, out of Morpheus's hands. Because they're fighting with it, and the agent is dodging from it left, right, and center, and then just, like, bats it away, and it goes, like, flying off somewhere. Yeah, but we don't see it again. No, it never comes into play ever again. I think it just gets knocked off the top of the trailer, or, like, knocked out of his hand off of the trailer, and now he no longer has. Yeah, and the, uh, the, the agent kicks Morpheus again, only this time he flips up and he lands on his feet at the edge of the trailer once again. And he's teetering. It looks like he's going to make it, but then he doesn't. And he falls off the trailer away from the semi. And oh no, he's 
dead, but he lands on a car. Yep. And he turns and looks, and it's Nairobi. Niobe. Or Niobe. Uh, we should also mention that Enter the Matrix was a tie-in with this movie. So what Niobe and her like first mate is are doing in that game uh, plays out. Like, if I remember correctly, like there's a big chase scene between Niobe and her uh, her crewmate as they try to get onto the highway and shit. Like there are other agents. If I remember correctly, I haven't played that game in fucking yeah, it's been fifteen years forever. So if I remember correctly, it's a chase scene with Niobe and her guy as they're trying to get onto the highway, but agents won't let them get onto the highway to try to help her friends. Right. It ends with them succeeding and getting onto the highway, and that's when you meet up with Morpheus landing on the car and everything. Yeah. Um. She tells Morpheus, "Now go kick his ass." Because he gets up onto the hood of the car completely and is about to be launched into the air towards the semi. She and says, we should also mention that whenever uh, he gets knocked off, the agent doesn't come to like his side. He turns around to go and deal with the deal exile. with the exile. Yeah, and we hear the agent say like, "You are no longer of service" or some shit like that. Yeah, and like it, you need to return to the source. Yeah, and as the keymaker is about to be killed, Niobe says, "Now go kick his ass." Morpheus gets launched in the air because they just slam onto their brakes. So the force from the uh, sudden stop launches Morpheus into the air. And, and he does the no-leg crane kick. Yes. It's similar to what Trinity does, only it's very it's like a mix between the crane kick from Karate Kid and what Trinity does in the first Matrix at the beginning of the movie. Because he's just like, with his legs like scrunched up and he like kicks the agent in the back. The agent goes barreling forward past... The semi and everything lands on a nearby car as the semi uh, just goes on by them. Morpheus stands victorious on the semi trailer. Um, we see an agent like morph in, or we see a person morph into an agent that's driving a nearby semi. The semi spins around. The agent that was just kicked off the trailer then goes into the person that's driving the trailer that Morpheus is on. We see the other trailer turn around, jackknife around, and barrel towards them, uh, Morpheus and the Keymaker, thus indicating right. that the two trailers are going to collide into one another. And right when Morpheus catches on that that's going to happen, he says, Neo, I hope you're out there right now. And then we just cut to a point of view of somebody like barreling through like the cityscape and shit. And uh, right when these two semis crash into one another, everything slows way the fuck down. We see all this fire and like debris erupting all around them. We see the the logo for Troublemaker Studios. Yeah, pretty much. Because it's just very similar to that as the Keymaker and Morpheus are being thrown from one end of the trailer to the other, about to meet their doom. And right when that happens, we see Neo come out of the uh, side of the frame and just towards the Keymaker and Morpheus grabbing Grab both them of them and like right at the last second before everything just like erupts in flames spiraling up into the sky <laughs> yes uh, as there's a, a giant fireball behind them yep uh, everything uh, goes back to normal we see everything just erupt into explosion and flames as Morpheus Neo and the Keymaker all fly away we then cut to later on and it's just the Keymaker in a room with Morpheus and his team, the vigilant and his team, the commander of the vigilant and his team, and Niobe and the Logos team, right, all around the keymaker, telling the keymaker, "There's a door in a room, uh, on like the 
17th floor. I don't remember what floor. Whatever floor. And uh, it, the only way you can get to it is by knocking out the power of like 27 blocks. Uh, but you can't just knock out one power station. You have to knock out the backup power station as well. And they all have to be within seconds of each other uh, being taken down. And as he's explaining the plan, we see the plan being enacted at the same time. So I really like this. We don't waste any time of the character explaining the plan, and then they execute the plan. We have both happening simultaneously. So the plan is being explained, and parts of the plan are being executed at the same time. We're wasting no time whatsoever. Turns into a heist movie. Yes. Um, so what they're trying to do is take out the power grid. As Neo, Morpheus, and the Keymaker enter into this like backdoor program to get to the, the source. That's where yeah. Neo is trying to get to, the source to try to figure out what this is all about and how they can help humanity not being destroyed and whatnot. So we have the Vigilant taking out the second um, power the station. The backup power station. Uh, Niobe and the Logos team are taking out the, the main power station. They take out the first station. Everything goes down. They get into the backdoor program to go towards the main source. Well, uh, and then that same the, instance, the key makers like, oh, this, it, the door can only be opened with this key. But if you open the door and power's not cut, it'll just blow up everything. Yes. So the, everything has to be shut down in order for us to get into there. But it's also we, you won't be able to talk, so you just have to take it on faith that your teams will complete their mission complete their mission have stuff done uh and we should also mention like before everything goes down neo asks trinity to stay out of the matrix while everything is happening because he doesn't want anything to happen to trinity right he doesn't want anything bad to happen to her and she asks why and she's like you or neo is like you just have to trust me and trinity's like all right i do um that everything starts to unfurl we see the first power station go down and it looks like the vigilant team is about to take out the other station and then we see uh, proximity alarm starting to happen in their uh, vigilant uh, proximity. Yeah, in their actual ship's vicinity. Yes. Like in the real While they're world. still in the Matrix, the the rest of the team that isn't in the Matrix that are manning everything, seeing proximity alarms of nearby Sentinels. Only the Sentinels are close by, but they're not on top of them. And the team members are like, what the fuck is going on? And then we just see the Sentinels, like, we see them like, planning i guess and we see one with like a, a a ball of some sort and he whips around like a like a tornado fashion and it's just like whips this ball towards them it hits the vigilance hull and it explodes killing everybody in the ship instantly uh we see the team that's at the second power station just go blank and, and drop, drop. To, to drop to the ground because just like if you die in the matrix or you die outside the Matrix, you, no, your character you, dies as well. If you die in the... I'm saying it's the exact same thing, like, um, as the begin or as the first movie where he's like, oh, you know, if you die in the Matrix, you die in the real world, too, because your body can't live without your mind. Yeah. Your mind can't live without your body. Right. So they drop dead. Yep. As well. And right at, as that happens, we see Neo, Morpheus, and the Keymaker get into the backdoor program. Where they no longer have access to speak to... Anybody. So they're just anybody. taking it on faith at this point. And right when they start uh, like walking through the corridors and everything, uh, the Keymaker's like, well, the door we need to go to is just up ahead. 
And as they're about to go to it, in comes uh, Agent Smith from another nearby door. And it just uh, basically says, hello. And uh, the long and short of it is, is that the agent is trying, Agent Smith is trying to prevent them from going into that door to meet the source or go to the source. And, whatnot. Right. and Morpheus is like, all right, I've had enough of this. And he points his gun at Agent Smith. And then Agent Smith doesn't blink an eye. He's like, well, how are you going to stop us all with only so many bullets? And then all the doors all around them open up and all these Agents Smiths come walking in. And now all of them are trying. Uh, we see the keymaker just basically like drop to the ground and like sneak away, goes into a nearby door, and then exits to another door near the door that they need to get to to get to the source. So he basically just uh, circumvents circumvents the entire fight completely. But we see Morpheus and Neo trying to fight the Agent Smith clones and everything in this small hallway. It looks like Morpheus is being... Well, Morpheus is bested. We see several of the Agent Smiths pin him against the wall. We see another one plunge his hand into Morpheus, and we see that metallic substance starting to crawl all over Morpheus. Neo sees this, yells Morpheus, and then takes out the agents uh, that are pinning him down and trying to take control of Morpheus completely. Yeah, Morpheus snaps out of it. Uh, It looks like the the keymaker now has the door open, and then at the same instance, Link and Trinity are checking things out. They see that the first power station is down. Everything goes out for like a 27-block radius. And then within a few seconds, everything comes back up. And right when the power station is about to be taken, or what they think of the second power station is about to be taken out, nothing happens. Right. And they look into the uh, where the other team is. They're at the power station, but they're not moving at all. And Trinity is like, oh, shit. They're probably dead. I need to get in. And she starts uh, setting up to be jacked into the Matrix. Link is like, Trinity, no. You can't do this. Neo doesn't want you, you to. You told him you wouldn't. And Trinity's like, look, he's dead if I don't. And Link is like, all right, fine. Uh, I can get you real fucking close, but not close enough. So you're going to have to haul ass. You only have five minutes before uh, they get to the door. And then we see the opening scene that we saw. Uh, we see an abbreviated version of that opening scene, right? Of what we saw at the beginning. They don't rehash it. They just uh, they we see a clip of it, and then we see her entering into the building, into the main facility where the vigilant team is, where their bodies are anyway. Um, she starts uh, typing shit on the laptop. We see all the proper things start to happen on the laptop, and Link says one minute. We then cut back to the uh, backdoor program. As Neo and Morpheus are still fighting the Agent Smiths, and uh, the keymaker yells at the end of the hallway. Neo sees this and then just grabs Morpheus and flies Fucking, through yeah. the hallway. The Agent Smiths whip out all their guns at the same time, and they're like, "No, need to stop him." Uh, they start unload. They're about to unload. Morpheus and Neo get through the doorway as the keymaker is closing it. We see all these shots being fired towards the door. The door closes completely. The keymaker or Morpheus and Neo land. The keymaker stumbles back around towards them, and we see that the keymaker has been, has been r- shot, riddled with bullets all over. He drops to the ground. Um, and the, Morpheus and Neo come up to him, and uh, right away the keymaker's like, "Look, I helped you out. This is the end of for me. I'm okay with that." He points to the nearby door, not the source, but the nearby door. Says, "Morpheus, you can leave." The Matrix through that door. Neo, the source, is that door, which is just like straight And he ahead. hands him the key. Use this key. 
the Keymaker dies, Morpheus and Neo, we don't see them part ways. We just see Neo. Uh, we see Trinity finish up what she's doing. Uh, the power station powers down everything. As the key is slid into, is the, slid into the lock. Yep. Uh, Neo, uh, we just... So perfect timing. He doesn't open the door. Right when the key inserts into the lock, we just see all this light starting to emanate from around the edges of the door. And then just a big like opening of like white light yep. encircles Neo. Right as uh, Neo is being consumed by all that light, we then see Trinity... Uh, being told, get out of there, there's an agent nearby. We then cut to Neo being introduced to a character in an office chair who looks like fucking Colonel Sanders. I would have just gone with like a black suit or maybe something because it's like a silver Every, metallically. Everybody else wears black suits, so you can't I know, wear but black it just... So or gotta, at least you got to differentiate him, but I don't know why he had to wear like the southern style bolo tie. Right, it just made no sense. But it, it's just a, a, a very old character with white hair, white beard, uh, with like a pen-like remote. He just taps things, things on the monitors around them start to appear, and he just tells Neo, "Welcome, I am the I'm the architect, our architect of the Matrix. I built everything around you." And he's telling Neo, like, you are not the first one to see me. We, this is the sixth iteration of the one that has come to see me. And everyone that has seen me before has had only two choices to make. I, this is what he says exactly, because uh, I wrote it down. He says, I am the architect. I created the Matrix. I've been waiting for you. You have many questions. And although the process has altered your consciousness to remain irrevocably human, ergo, some of my answers you'll understand, understand and some you will not. Then he says, he goes on to say, your life is the sum of a remainder of an unbalanced equation inherent to the programming of the matrix. You are the anomaly, eventuality of an anomaly, which despite my sincerest efforts, I have been unable to eliminate from its, from what is otherwise a harmony of a mathematical precision. While it remains a burden assiduously avoided, it is not unexpected, and this and thus not beyond a measure of control. So what he's saying there is that while what I've constructed is near perfection, the one thing I can't get out of the matrix is human nature. Right. And because of that, I'm constantly butting up against humans constantly wanting to strive for more and trying to be better than previous generations, if you will. Um, that constant need for humans to do good or to strive to figure out what life is about. That whole idea of human nature, like I just said, like he's constantly butting up against the idea of human nature always getting in the way of his mathematical perfection. Perfection, and he's not. He constantly doesn't. He doesn't know how to handle it. He doesn't know how to eliminate it completely. And then he comes across an algorithm. And the algorithm, if he is the father of the Matrix, she is surely the mother of the Matrix, the Oracle. Mm. And she doesn't try to eliminate human nature, but tries to give human nature to strive for something, to become something. And because of that, that's where the one comes into play. And previous generations have done the same, where they all come across me right here at this point in uh, their timeline. And they've always made two decisions. One decision is you enter back in the Matrix with 23 other people. Uh, what was it? Well, he, he also says, 
listen, there's nothing you can do about it. Zion is going to be destroyed. Yep. It'll it'll be the fifth time that we've done it, or the sixth time. This will be sixth. We're really fucking good at it. Yes. Um, We know exactly what we're doing. So you return to the source, reboot the matrix. You choose twenty three. 16 female, 7, seven male, male, to rebuild Zion. Yeah. Uh, which, side note, so each person, uh, whenever they're first being conceived, uh, are being are given 23 chromosomes from each parent. So you get 23 chromosomes from your mother and 23 chromosomes from your father. I always thought that that was interesting. They went with 23 people to reboot the Matrix. So uh, just half of a human. Right. I always thought that was interesting. Um, so they would be the first humans. Now, there, if you talk to any archaeologist or any sort of historian worth their salt, they will always say that there's some civilization that we've gotten hints of, but we don't have concrete proof of existing before every fucking civilization. Right. Um, we see that play out here. Uh, if you've ever played the... Um, uh, the Assassin's Creed games, uh, they, they, they heavily hit at, at uh, a previous civilization before modern, what we would consider modern civilization, like right. with the Neanderthals and all that. So that's what they're hinting at in this movie, that there were other previous uh, civilizations that got to a point where they were able to exit the Matrix, uh, develop this, um, uh, get out of the Matrix, so figure out uh, who the one is, the prophecy, all that. And that's what the architect is telling him. You can either reinsert yourself back into the Matrix, reboot it, or you can get through the other decision. You can let everybody die. Uh, Zion, everybody that's still in the Matrix, everything will just die. And we'll reboot the Matrix either way without you as the starting point, is what he's telling him. And he's like, unlike your other previous iterations, you have one thing that they do not. Love. And... Which is true. I mean, that's the point of the story is to basically... I mean, I get it, but like, just like the delivery of that... Oh, I know. The the very sterile, like, uh, almost... See, I I like the the sterile nature, because this is God, for lack of a better term. And he's just like, you have one thing that they didn't have... Which is love. Yes. Oh, love conquers all. Well, the idea. Well, yes. I mean, if you deal with anything, especially nowadays, just putting it in our parlance, the idea is, and I fall into this trap constantly where you don't want to combat hate with more hate. I'm constantly fucking kicking myself in the ass for constantly getting irate at certain people, i.e., Trump supporters. So I'm constantly arguing with them. But the best opposition to hate is, is love. love. And that. That sentiment is, it's, it's not wrong, but it's no. also like it's also infuriating because yes, I want to pummel the other guy, whether it be both my words or my actual fists. But I get the sentiment, and that's what they're trying to convey here: is that the thing that you don't, that you have that the other ones don't, that seems to be an anomaly in the entire, this entire iteration, well, is no, the see, idea of cause, love. Because I take it a completely different way. Okay, so he's like, yeah, you have. You have this love. So you have two doors ahead of you. You can either go through this door, uh, return to the source, reboot the Matrix, choose 23 to continue your species, or you can go save your pussy. It's more than that. No, that's exactly what it is. Like, sell out, sell out all of human existence, 
to save your pussy. Or I would say it was all of that if we didn't get the scenes with Trinity and Neo and her trying to uh, console him. Like, yes, we've got the scene with them fucking, but we also got scenes of her yeah, and I, him I know it's, being partners. It's more complicated than that. Yes. But it's just like like the, this whole this whole thing, like the the yeah, sell out your entire species for some pussy. And this he's like, is what I'm okay. ta- this is what I'm talking about. Like the ideas that they're playing with in this whole scene are interesting ideas. But the execution of them, I'm just the, some of them I'm not a huge fan of. So I I get it. I get what your uh, issues are with it, but I'm also like, I get what they're also trying to say here. Yeah, I get what they're trying to say, but it's just like... It's a bit absurd. Yeah. Especially coming from Colonel Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's... First and foremost, handle his look. Yeah. Which also, we do have an architect-like character in the uh, new Matrix, but it's A, not comical, and B, played by someone who I didn't wasn't aware was in the movie. I don't know why. It's someone that we both fucking adore as an actor. I don't want to say... Because if I say... Because it's a bit of a reveal of who this character is later on in the movie. And if I tell you the actor, the then moment you know. see him, we're you're going to know. So I can't really reveal too much. Okay. Uh, basically, we see... Uh, was it uh, Trinity fighting this agent, and it's playing? We get another perspective of the the fight scene with Trinity. Only it's it's not Kevin Smith, is it? No, no. <laughs> that would have been fucking great. I, I would have lost my <laughs> shit. I'd just been like, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it's someone else that we really we both really like. Uh, we was sure the Trinity fighting with? Huh? Said so I'm sure I'll figure it out. But yeah, Trinity's fighting the agent uh, inside the office building, and she's holding her own for the most part. And then we see the scene that we've seen from Neo's dream of Trinity bursting out of the window, turning around, and firing her guns at the agent that's coming, uh, following after her as they basically just drop to the ground in slow mo and everything. Oh, we should also say that, like, as the entirety of the conversation between the architect and Neo is going on, like every possible reaction that Neo could have to anything he's saying is playing on these monitors that are behind yes. Neo, including Neo at one point on one of the monitors that they like, cl- like tight close in shot is just him like very defiantly just <laughs> <laughs> giant middle finger. <laughs> um, I, I think if you pay attention, I think one of them says, I'm going to smash you to bits as well. I'm like, yeah, that's weird. Um, but yeah, so Neo, we see Neo walk towards a door and the uh, architect says, interesting. Didn't think you would take that way or some shit like that. And then uh, Neo exits completely within cut to outside the... Neo says something as he leaves too. Like, I, yeah, I'll I make my own decisions. Yeah, or... something along those lines. We see uh, outside the tower, we just see all this fire starting to erupt from it. And we see Neo flying out of this room as fire is just about to consume him once, completely. Once again, Troublemaker Studios yes. <laughs> logo happening behind um, him. He bursts out of the tower right as the tower explodes in flames. Um, and now we get uh, like a tight shot on Neo as he's just hauling ass to where Trinity's falling down. And we just see all the like this debris and stuff being picked up behind him. All, all these cars. If you ever watched, or not watched, but if you ever played Path of the Neo... Path of Neo, the Matrix game, Path of Neo, I think mm-hmm. that's what it's called. But one of the loading screens 
is that scene you see in this movie of just this tight shot on Neo, like flying towards the camera with all this debris and stuff trailing behind him. It's just that is one of the loading Mm -hmm. screens. For whatever reason, it stuck out in my head. Um, But he's hauling ass. And we see Link. He's like, what is that? I've never seen that before. We then cut to a Trinity about to hit the ground completely. Then we just see Neo out of nowhere just fucking swoop in real quick. Grab her. John Cena. Um, The agent hits the car on the ground. And then we just see all this plethora of fucking debris and cars and shit. Roll through. Roll right through the fucking street. Neo uh, flies up into the air and then settles down onto a nearby roof. Lays Trinity down on some sort of like duct system that's on the roof. And then she's still alive, but she's coughing up blood at this point. And he's like... No, I I don't want to say that link says that line yet he doesn't he's like it's it's neo but he's moving fast faster than i've ever seen him mm, yeah as he's as he's going you should also mention morpheus is out of the matrix yeah. as well at this point and he's watching everything happen neo lays trinity down she's writhing in pain she's coughing up blood he's like look on it you still have the bullet in you i need to take the bullet out and he, we don't see him reach into her but we see the matrix code version of him reaching inside, scooping out the bullet, and pulling it out of her. He throws the bullet off to the side, but she's still dying at this point. And she's like, I'm sorry, I had to. And Neo's like, I know, I know. Um, And she's like, it was worth it to help you in some manner or some shit like that. And then she just dies. In his arms, we see uh, outside of the Matrix where Morpheus and Link are, we see her stats flatline completely. She is dead at this point. And Neo's like, and from... Similar to what happens, and they don't explain why they can do this. But what happens in the first Matrix, where Trinity pulls him from death, Neo pulls Trinity from death as well. Well, he just full-on reaches into her chest again and is, like, massaging her heart. Right. He says... Get it to start pumping again. I know you're somewhere in there, but I need you, because I love you so damn much. I need you to come back. And then he reaches into her chest. I just love you too damn much. Yes. And he reaches into her chest, starts massaging her heart. We cut to outside the Matrix. The stats start kicking back up. She's now alive. We cut to them inside the Matrix, and she just <gasps> wakes up from, near, from I guess, dying. And she looks at Neo. Uh, they kiss. The, Which uh, is only awkward, because whenever you die, uh, you lose control of all your muscles so you shit piss and piss your, yeah yeah uh, so they're, so, ma- they're making out with while she got dirty <laughs> while she got dirty pants on <laughs> right but uh they they kiss uh, uh for a few seconds and then they release and then she's like i guess uh, we're even indicating of what she was able to do in the first matrix but like i said they never fucking explain how they can do this why they can do it. you know what neo i understand and now that i'm saying this they explain that in the newest movie. Oh, okay. Now that I'm... Yes, they explain why Trinity is able to do certain... Okay, I'm just... They explained in the new movie why okay. certain things are. Um, anyway. Probably because they had enough people like, why the fuck? Yes. For the past, right. what, 15 20 years? 20 years. 20 years. Nearly 20 years. Yeah, nearly 20 years. This movie came out in 2003. It's now 2022, so yeah. nearly 20 years. Yeah, nearly 20 years of people telling them... Uh, like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. Like, why can Trinity do this? So they retcon it in the new movie. Yeah. They exit the Matrix. At right at the same time, the Sentinels have now found Morpheus and the Nebuchadnezzar at this point. 
and uh, they're reason. staying outside of the perimeter of the EMP bomb or oh, the EMP. That, yeah, that's right. That's that's why they and Neo's like started doing this. Yes, thing to stay out of range from the EMP. And Neo's like they're out of range of the EMP. We need to get out of here because they're going to throw something at us. And lo and behold, we see the uh, another Sentinel wind up, spin around in place, and whip a bomb at them. Everybody hauls out ass out of the Nebuchadnezzar. They get uh, close, uh, nearly dying, and we see the Nebuchadnezzar blow up. And Morpheus turns around and says, I dreamed a dream, and now that dream has gone from me. Not sure what it's from, but it sounds like it's from something. Just wanted to mention it. Um, uh, as they watch the explosion happen, uh, they all say, we need to get out of here before the Sentinels find us. And uh, Morpheus and Link uh, run up ahead, and Trinity and Neo are nearby, but then Neo stops. He's like, something's different. I can feel them. He turns around, the Sentinels see them, they come barreling towards Neo, Neo holds up his hands, and the Sentinels stop completely. One thing we forgot to mention in the architect scene, that the architect tells Neo that every person that's been the one has a certain set of code in them that is a special kind of code that is connected to the Matrix and the ability to restart the Matrix and all that shit. So when he's outside of the Matrix, that's why we he can now control Sentinels because they are part of the Matrix. So is Neo. And with him, no matter if he's in or out of the Matrix, he has a part of the um, Matrix code within him. Within him, yeah. So he just turns around, throws up his hands, and stops the Sentinels outside of the Matrix. Trinity is like, what the fuck? Right when the Sentinels power down and die completely. You see there's, there's a lot of strain on the part of neo, neo yes at this point um right when he stops uh the neo or the sentinels completely neo uh drops to the ground passes out trinity runs up to him yells neo um, morpheus and link come running up it's like what happened trinity's like i don't know and then we see uh nearby uh i think it's the it's not the vigilant oh it's the hammer um because they hear yeah. the nearby ship and link sees it off in the distance it's like oh it's the hammer they're nearby um, he hails them over. They grab the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar. And now uh, Neo is passed out on some sort of like medical bed of some sort. There's, he's Trinity's in a coma. nearby. There's a voiceover of the captain of the hammer talking yes. to Morpheus. And Link. And Link saying that the defense of Zion has failed because somebody set off an EMP yes. prematurely. Commander Locke got the idea to try to swing in behind the Sentinels to try to take out some of them before they reach Zion. And while they were setting that up, that attack, something happened to where one of the EMP bombs for one of the ships went off. Prematurely out, destroyed all of the ships. Ex- and killing everybody. Killing everybody. Except for, except one, for person. one person. And then it like pulls back and you see... Well, it pan- it, as they're making this conversation and they're saying, it, except for one person, they, uh, they start at like, Neo's like, legs and as they're saying everything and then except for one person, the camera stops and we see the person above that Agent Above Smith. his head. And yeah, you see, I think it's Kane? Bane. 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 is his name. Um, the Agent Smith that... Uh, infected that character that we talked about earlier whenever they were waiting for the Oracle's word. Agent Smith infected that guy, and he then exited the Matrix. Agent Smith did. It's that guy. Um, And it's thus indicating that Agent Smith sabotaged all these uh, ships and killed all these people. 
um, to try to prevent them from taking out the Sentinels and all that shit. So we now have an Agent Smith in the real world and Neo on his ass in the real world. And they're both comatose. Right. And then, bam, cut the black, uh, Rage Against the Machine. Uh, I can't remember the name. Well, I thought I wrote it down. Yeah, Rage Against the Machine, Calm Like a Bomb plays. And uh, that's the movie. I really enjoyed this movie for the most part. Like, there's 90% of the movie that I enjoy. I, we've talked about, like, the, the cartoony fight scene at the park and the some of what the architect is talking about. Could have been just repolished to be a bit more poignant. Not so much, I don't know, cartoony, if you will. And I'm interested to see, because I haven't... Like, weeks before we started watching these movies to talk about them, I watched all three. And I had a good time for the most part. But now that I'm actually watching them to, like, uh, like think about how everything is broken down, I'm interested to see how I feel about um, Revelations uh, later on. Anyway, so the Rotten Tomatoes score on this movie, which is halfway decent, is uh, the critic score is 73%. The audience score is 72%. Um, and then uh, I will give the $20.21 for this movie as well. Now, whenever I started setting up today, it dawned on me. So they made both these movies together. So this budget is for both movies together. Mm. I would assume. Because the budget is pretty high. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's for both movies. Um, but the budget, I guess for maybe, I'll find out whenever I look up all the information for the next movie, if the budget changes or not. But the budget for this movie is $150 million. Opening weekend made $91.8 million. Domestically, altogether, made $281.6 million. All to, uh, internationally, altogether, $460.3 million. Altogether, domestic and international, four, or $741.9 million. Now, adjusted for gross with a 51.1% increase for $2021. $226.6 million for the budget. $138.7 million opening weekend, $425.4 million domestically altogether, $695.4 million for internationally altogether, and then uh, everything in 2021 dollars, $1.2 billion for just the one movie in 2021 dollars. So this movie, just this one sequel, obviously we were, they had already marketed that we were going to get revelations later on. But the, just for the sequel alone, for Reloaded, this movie's already in the black. Right. So th- there's no ifs, ands, or buts, even say, with all the marketing. Up, did you look up the uh, budget for revelations? No, not yet. I just did it for Reloaded. I was going to so, say, I'd look it up, and if it says the same amount, then it's probably... For the two for, movies. For the two movies. $150 Because $150 million, in 2003, it does seem a bit high for just the one movie. Yeah. So I almost bet, because both movies were shot back-to-back, that for the, these two movies, it was $150 million. Yeah, that's pretty much all I've got for this week. And that's all I've got. Make sure to comment, rate, subscribe. Tell us what you think about this. I Personally, I'd say that even with its issues... I do like this one a lot more than I like the Revelations. It's probably my favorite favorite at least for the fight scenes yeah like the the fight scenes in this even with the cartoony one in the park being cartoony yeah. yeah about halfway through i think that this one has the best fight scenes i think my favorite fight scene of all of the matrix movies at least 
thus far because I have not watched Revelations yet, so I don't know or they got some good re- fight scenes. Whatever, whatever the new one's called because mm-hmm. it's not Revelations. That's Resurrections. The third one. Resurrections. I haven't watched that one yet, so I don't know what the fight scenes are like in that. But I would say that uh, the fight with Seraph is probably my favorite yeah. in the entire series. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, give us give us your opinions. Tell us what you think. Uh, and then uh, you can also find uh, find us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerdinian. You can also find me on both those platforms at that wanker. Uh, you can also find me at that. Uh, you can also find me on TikTok at that wanker without an e. And remember, hope is like the sun. If you only believe in it when you can see it, then you'll never make it through the night. I'm about to do to you what Limp Bizkit did to music in the late 90s.